Live. You can take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Sam. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site. They are free. Enjoy those on us and freetalkline.com, including the site itself. Uh, brand new, it, it is its own feature now. Uh, the Free Talk Live website allows you to create the content, allows you to decide what is and what is not important for other people to see. You can vote up and vote down uh, and submit different stories, uh, news stories, for instance. You can uh, vote down or vote up different videos, blog posts, whatever it is that uh, you think is interesting. You can submit new things to the website. And uh, the most popular ones get voted to the front page. Go to freetalklive.com to experience that. It's free. That's freetalklive.com. Sam, welcome back. You are uh, just getting out of jail this morning here in uh, lovely Keene, New Hampshire, after having been there for about a week's time. Yeah, thank you. And uh, you managed to uh, sneak a couple naps in here between uh, when you got out and and, and now. So um, reflections. I mean, we had you on the show right when you were first placed in the Westmoreland County Jail out here in Cheshire County, uh, the west southwestern corner of New Hampshire. It's not the first time you've been there. Uh, back, actually, about this time last year, you were in for 58 days for uh, initially refusing to uh, refusing to stop recording video in a public court lobby, and then they held you in that same jail be, uh, for the 58 days because you would not give up voluntarily your legal name. Uh, they ended up turning you loose after a while. You never did give them voluntarily your legal name, did you? No, I didn't. And they actually pushed me out in the uh, orange jumpsuit, decided they had had enough. Uh, it didn't matter if I agreed to the bail terms. Uh, they wanted me out of the jail, and uh, that's what ended up happening. So this time was uh, certainly very, very different. Now, wh- why was it so different this time? I mean, simply besides the uh, the shortened t- term, I mean, 58 days compared to six this past week, what else was different? But all of it, I mean, uh, just the way the the guards interacted from the the first time. I mean, driving back in the car, uh, leaving the jail, I was just overcome by um, what had been accomplished and kind of just started sobbing in the car because... Well, when you say accomplished, I mean, you were you were kind of called out last week on the program. Uh, Mark was suggesting that maybe this wasn't the best way to spend your time, Sam. Of course, only you get to decide what the best way to spend your time is. Um, right. What did you accomplish? I mean, you sat in a jail cell. What could possibly be accomplished? Well, so when I got there this time, Doobie was the uh, the guard checking me in, and he's as fun as his name suggests. <laughs> Doobie. <laughs> and, uh, you know, last time it was you know, what's your name? And it coming in in the middle of the night, waking me up. And this time it was, uh, all right, Sam, uh, do, do you want to process? Or are you going to, you going to do that? What about changing clothes? You, do you want to change clothes? Do you want to do this? And, um, so changing I, clothes was an option. Yeah. Cause last time I just laid there and they stripped me and put me in the orange uh, jumpsuit and then dragged me up to uh, solitary confinement. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, yeah, I said, you know, look, I'll answer the questions that I think are necessary for uh, you to have me here safely. So some of the medical questions that they had, um, some points of contact. They wanted family names and addresses. I didn't give them that, but I gave them you and uh, another friend that could get in touch with my family. Mm-hmm. And that was all acceptable. Uh, they never asked for social security number or anything like that this time. You know, it was strictly what I was willing to give, and that seemed to be uh, okay. What about the TB test? 
I did not do a TB test because they said it was in uh, still in in uh, date, I guess, or it hadn't expired from the last time. I see. So uh, I, I was I was debating just refusing that, and you know if that meant I stayed in isolation for the six days, then that's what I would do. But it didn't. What do you think they would do that? We we've been talking recently about uh, civil disobedience on the mm-hmm. program. I just posted a blog post over at freekeen.com about civil disobedience and how I think that concentrated non-cooperation, concentrated civil disobedience, is really the key uh, to achieving freedom in our lifetime. What what would happen if ten people? I mean, if if ten people went into the jail. That alone would be fairly burdensome on them just simply because they only have so much room in their holding cells. Right. If, if 10 people they could handle, 20 people would then be a they, strain. Then yeah. it becomes very difficult for them because they only have about four or so holding cells, which can only hold about maximum four people each. What if all of those 10 or 20 people decided to not take the TB test? I, I don't know. You know, they wouldn't have, uh, they, they'd stack. I, in that jail, they don't have another, enough isolation chambers. Yeah, they're that, moving right? to a new jail where they may be able to handle it a little better, and it might yeah. take a slightly larger number. But uh, you know, five people came in, and they had to move two extra people into our four-man cell or two-man cell that had five people in it. So, uh, you know, they were constantly shuffling folks around. The jail seemed to be overcrowded. There were people up in the uh, day room sleeping on the floor. You know, they have cots out in the day room or, or uh, bunk beds. <laughs> Those are full. And then they also had people on the floor uh, because there were no other uh, beds available. So the jail was overcrowded. The, the NPR had a few extra spots in it, but those are for NPR, the multi-purpose room, which used to be called the gym, but because <laughs> it's illegal to keep people in a gym, they renamed it. Right. So um, there, there was that. Uh, we went through the classification process, and again, there were some self-incriminating questions I wasn't willing to answer. That didn't seem to be an issue. Um, I answered most of the things that they they put forth, and uh, some of them I, I just chose not to. So, uh, again, no issues there. They they moved me out of isolation after a couple of days into the NPR. But while I was in isolation, I'm there with a guy named Jason who was arrested for uh, cocaine possession. He had seven grams of cocaine on him and also some heroin. Mm. And uh, he was facing four felony counts, three Jeez. to seven years, I think, in state prison didn't hurt anybody didn't steal anything no but while we were in there what he told me were all of these stories about the fights about um people getting robbed about uh, a guy getting a crowbar in the face about a home invasion meaning within the the, the black market world you mean yes with the, these are drug dealers ripping off other drug dealers mm-hmm. and turning on people and snitching on them and uh, a guy got stabbed and you know, if I'm a cop and I'm looking at this, I see all this violence and I think, yeah, drugs are bad, but what they don't get is that it's their prohibition that creates all of this in the first place. Absolutely. Um, so I, you know, that's just what I'm thinking. I'm like, this guy hasn't hurt anybody. Here he is doing these things because of prohibition. If this was legal and, and he was an addict. Okay. He was mm. also telling me about how, uh, you know, he did heroin. He went one time and got this heroin and did it in the car, and he puked all the way home. And, and he was telling me, you ought to try a bag. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah that sounds um, great. <laughs> exactly. That's what I said. And another time, a guy had a needle break <laughs> off in the vein in his arm. And oh, I'm like, jeez. Wonderful. Yeah, I really want to, you know, do this stuff right away. And uh, we kind of laughed about that. 
So there's all these stories and, and he's addicted and that's why he's doing this stuff. Mm -hmm. And if there wasn't a war on drugs, he would still be addicted, but he would be getting help rather than punishment. And the taxpayers wouldn't be forced to pay for this either. That's that's the most absurd thing, too. It's just the, Such the a money they're spending, the the lives that they're destroying over this. When these people don't need punitive uh, a punitive response, they, they need help. And, and what is it going to take to end this insanity? I wish I knew. I, I, it's, it's not very likely we're going to have heroin 420s, uh, nor would I necessarily uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm be not in up support for that. Of, uh, of that. But the 420 celebrations here have been an incredible success where people have been gathering on a daily basis at 420 in the afternoon. In fact, actually, I've heard they're now doing it at 420 in the morning uh, on some days. <laughs> not every day, but sometimes. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, the sometimes, night shift going. Huh? Yeah, sometimes they're going out there. <laughs> Uh, so they're, they're doing it at 420 and they're smoking cannabis and it's been a wonderful success because we've essentially created the activists and the regular folks around here because it's mostly regular folks now. Now it's like nine out of ten people are just non-liberty activist types. I, I mean, I guess you can call them liberty activists, but the only thing they do is – They're locals. Yeah, they're locals yeah. Uh, are getting out there and they've essentially created a demilitarized zone uh, for <laughs> cannabis smoking. And really all it took was a few people being willing to uh, to spend some time in jail – because a few people were arrested initially, but we haven't seen hide nor hair of the the keen police out at the the 420s. But how is the uh, the hard drugs? How are, how is that all going to come to an end? If the jail is loaded up enough, then at some point they they'll run out of room to store people. But like you said, they built a bigger jail. Uh, there's more coming up here. 800-259-9231. Uh, more jail stories and your calls about whatever you want. It's Free Talk Live. Do you need a new computer but don't seem to have the money to buy one? Is your credit stopping you from buying the newest computers that you need today? Then My Computer Club is your answer to buy that new computer or laptop now and pay for it later. Finance top quality new computers and laptops and hundreds of other electronics. There are no credit checks, no turndowns. If you're 18 years or older and have proof of income, you're approved. Prices start at just $22 a month. Go to MyPCCredit.com and finance your new computer today. That's MyPCCredit.com. This is Free Talk Live. You are invited to take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Sam. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, again, that's freetalklive.com. And features, by the way, including our webcam. You can go over to cam.freetalklive.com. And you can see the show, as well as listen, and chat, all at the same time. Cam.freetalklive.com. Did I mention it's free? If you're using uh, pretty much every other search engine but startpage.com, your information is being uh, sold and used to uh, market you to, uh, you know, all kinds of third parties all over the Internet. And, in some cases, they're turning over that information to the government. If you want to avoid that, use startpage.com instead of your regular search engine, and you'll have complete privacy in your search. They also have a proxy setting there, and that's a service you generally pay for on the Internet, and you get it completely free at startpage.com. It's a great search engine, and you'll be able to surf privately. Startpage.com. All right, 800-259-9231. Uh, Sam is joining us here, and actually because of some, I guess, scheduling conflict issues, uh, there's a reason why we haven't heard from Nick from freemindsmedia.org for a little while, and I talked to Nick, and 
He's uh, he's got some new shift at work, and so it's making it difficult for him to come in and do the show. But he's still doing his show. So uh, if you miss Nick, go to freemindsmedia.org, and you can listen to Free Minds uh, Radio and Free Minds Television as well. So uh, Sam, until further notice, uh, you will be here on Tuesday nights. You may end up having a class or something like that. But so welcome to Tuesdays and yeah, okay. a more Thank regular uh, rotation on our fill-in or our th- our third man co-host schedule. Sam's back, fresh out of jail, got out this morning. It was originally going to be 8 a.m., then it ended up being 10.30, and then we ended up going out to get you. He'd originally wanted to ride in the van back into town. Apparently, they allegedly offer rides to people uh, back into town, uh, but they didn't do it at the time they promised they would. Well, no, it's, like, it's at their convenience, so they have until midnight to kick me out. So uh, so 8, till, 8 a.m. till midnight, they can put you, leave you at... Take you out any at the bus stop or at the hospital, gotcha. either one of those two places. Um, and so I, I had waited. Do you get to a choose, while. or do they get to just pick? Like uh, no, you, you get hospital. to pick which one you want to go to. But uh, you know, you don't really get to pick the time. And they actually didn't even know that that's what I intended to do. I told somebody in the morning before, you know, at like 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I would like a ride back into town, and uh, they didn't get through to Olette, who's the shift manager. He the bureaucrats in. at the jail are, are not known for their communications abilities. Yeah, well, why should they? Yeah, no, this time, you know, they were extremely professional. There's half the staff was new. The old uh, guards that were there from last time were really happy to see me. You know, they, one hmm. of them, Kelly Pouliot, said, like, oh, I thought oh, I saw day. a ghost. And uh, another guy broke protocol and shook my hand, which you're not supposed That's to no-no, touch huh? the guards. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and, you know, they were all, Hull was there. He... Um, when I was in isolation, I'm like, pick out a book for me. And he goes, any kind in particular? I said, oh, don't worry. The universe will guide you to the perfect book. <laughs> and uh, so he just kind of looks at me funny and goes and gets one, comes back later. And he picked out this Reader's Digest book that has this story in it about a uh, a journalist who writes stories about corrupt politicians in Russia. And I told him that later, and he had a you know quite a laugh about that. So you know, it's funny. It, it, yeah, it was a it was a fun time, engaging time with the guards, and we were talking, and uh, I, I really enjoyed that. Oh gosh, where else was I going to go? I don't know. I, I mean, some of the uh, the more icky things. I remember you'd mentioned that the the toilet. I don't know if you. I think you told me this yeah. off the air. The toilet in the multi-purpose room was not exactly, and apparently, from the people I talked to, it's always been this way. Uh, yeah, so not exactly the, sanitary. Well, the the jail's kind of fallen apart, and they're really definitely focusing their attention on the uh, the new jail. So in the gym, the air conditioner is either running on cool or on heat, and there's no off. It's always on. Hmm. It, after a snowstorm, it broke. The uh, handle to the sink on the hot water came off, so the water's coming out of the sink handle on the one side. Uh, the toilet was not attached to the floor, so when you flush it, the sewage would seep out from the bottom onto the floor and had to be constantly mopped. By the wax guy. ring wasn't any good, huh? Yeah, no, oh. and it wasn't even bolted down, so like it would move around. If you, <laughs> I went very, in, they're like, bad. Sam, you got to go see the toilet. So I went in and kicked it, and it like almost slid off the thing, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, very bad. I That's submitted, gross. Yeah, I submitted two uh, requests, and... They were both uh, just ignored and not answered. I think it was three, but I can't remember the third one. So in those departments, they still get an F, but everywhere else, yeah. I think they they were greatly improved over last time in the way that they rea- they, they responded and, and uh, added, they added choices. They now come around, and I think Richard understands this concept of the more choice people have. It's the superintendent. Have. Yes. 
the more choice that they have in their daily uh, existence, the the happier they are. So they come around and ask you for every meal if you want the standard meal or a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. No kidding. Yeah. Every time for breakfast, lunch, and dinner when they're doing a head count. The last one before wow, that's, uh, we're that's taking a, orders surprising. there at the jail. That's It's surprising. It really I, well, is. I don't know that I want my jail taking orders <laughs> from its convicts, quite honestly. I want them to not be there. <laughs> I mean, well, right. I, Van Wickler, you know, it feels the same way. In fact, I heard a story from one of the guards who said... Uh, the this police. is Rick Van Wickler, by the way, uh, the superintendent of the jail, also a member of Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. So the police bring a guy in in a wheelchair... Who was who? The police had claimed was guilty of simple assault, and he looked at him and said, "You got to be kidding me! How did this guy commit simple assault? You know, I needed I need you to prove that to me to accept him at my jail." Really? And he ended up uh, finding a place in the state retirement home up on the hill, rather huh. than the jail. So uh, you know, there's some interesting things going on down there, and. Uh, I'll say, and of course, as you mentioned, there's a brand new jail being built, and mm-hmm. some of the some of the alleged features of this new jail are are shocking. I mean, yeah, it's like, uh, I mean, Sam, you know the the details better than I, but yeah, let me jump. It's in incredible. And tell you. I mean, it's uh, Mark. You got to hear that. I mean, as somebody who spent nine <laughs> years in prison, where do you hear this? The uh, the switches are all touch sensitive, so you just touch them with your finger, and they come on. For your uh, light switch in your in your cell? You have a light switch in your cell. You have a lock on the door that you can lock it from the inside. It's two-person cells so that, you know, if you're going to the bathroom, you can lock the other person out without doing the flag thing. We used to have to hang uh, the orange top in the bars so that people know that, you know, you're using the toilet. It's big, big time. And, yeah. And uh, they have a carpeted area with uh, six rows of seating facing opposite walls with two 47-inch uh, flat-screen TVs. You buy uh, wireless headsets for ten bucks and seventy-five cents for two AA batteries, and you can either listen to AM or FM radio or tune into one of the two TVs. Uh, there is a laundry center in there, so you get. So, a, what do the TVs get um, as far cable, as uh, basic basic cable? Okay, um, I, I, is what but I. But it's assume. better than having a blaring TV on in some oh, yeah. general yeah. area. And you have two two TVs, so you don't have to. Everybody doesn't have to settle on one show. Yeah, that's that. That is a source of a, a great deal of contention. It was yeah. This morning, <laughs> I had a guy come in and just change it and says, "We watch music videos here," and I was watching news, Fox News or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there's uh, they, they assign you clothes. You're responsible for doing your own laundry. The kitchen is supposedly top of the line. I mean, you can adjust the hot and cold water with your knees in front of the sink. Uh, fully equipped kitchen. There is... Uh, I don't know whether I think this is good or not. I do not think this is good. Wait, wait why not? Showers, why shouldn't people be comfortable? The well, showers have dual faucets. So one at your head, one at your feet. And they're touch sensitive as well. My contention when it comes to, uh, to, to, to you know, most people in jail are in for, for crimes that uh, didn't have victims. I don't think those people should be in jail. I don't know the if people it's true that, that most people jail. are in jail for, uh, for crimes uh, with victims. Hang on, more coming up victims, here. I said. Uh, it's Free Talk Live. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL, that's FTL is in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you. 
This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And the features on the site, by the way, include archives, so if you've missed a moment of the show, you can just click and download. They are yours free. Uh, Front page of the website, you can click into the podcast and go all the way back to early 2009 on us at freetalklive.com. The 12-year process of government education has a dramatic effect on the mind of a child. When we enter school, many of our best personal attributes are already in place. We're curious, innovative, unique, creative, and hopeful in ways that many of us are rarely able to replicate through the rest of our lives, but because over time, school sucks those natural gifts out of too many people and replaces them with predictability, obedience, and apathy. Oh, and it's also funded by theft. School Sucks Podcast is a show about the end of government education. Visit schoolsucksproject.com to learn more. That's schoolsucksproject.com. Mark, I misunderstood what you were saying at the very end of the last segment it was about population in prison and uh, I get this this new jail that's being built here in the Keene, New Hampshire area where we're doing the show from is is very plush, uh, it seems, in comparison to the the existing jail built many you know, a few decades ago. And you were making a comment. Can you go ahead and, and, and re-comment re- there? Yeah, yeah. I guess I want to sum up. Um, I've spent uh, too, far too much time in jails and prisons, um, nine years, close to nine years um, of my life. I'm of the opinion uh, that – Jail should a should be be for only one thing. Um, the well, two things I suppose. Jail should be for people that are a flight risk, uh, for their crimes, mm. and their crimes should be crimes where someone was hurt or their property was was stolen. I agree. So, um, ideally, people who are not a flight risk, people who are willing to make good, people who realize that what they did was wrong, shouldn't be held in a in a box. They should be allowed to be out and about, making good and paying restitution to their victims. Yeah, you know, there there should be, I, I suppose, a um, you know. I, I, there, there's probably some reason that somebody should get a year in jail or something like that, but um, I think in most cases that people are best that victims would be best served if people um, had to work in order to repay them, um, and I think that that would be how people were you know w- would be best punished for many crimes um, that you know that I would still believe need punishment as opposed to crimes where there's no victim at all. Um, and but I do think that uh, I guess jails should be used for uh, the housing of inmates b- the, before they go to say prison, where very violent men should be kept away from um, you know other people, and that should be the purpose of prison. So jail should really only be for very few people, and the. But as far as I'm concerned, those people should not get luxuries. I'm not interested in providing them with, uh, you know, uh, faucets on their sinks where they can operate them with their knees because I don't want their hands getting all into the nasty stuff. And uh, to provide them with two flat screen TVs that they can then tune into uh, with headphones. And um, I I don't know what other, you know, sorts of luxuries they're offering these guys. But, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm kind of torn here. I don't think that most of the guys that are in those in that jail deserve to be treated the way they are being treated because they should be out and free. But I don't at the same time don't think that jail should be a nice place. Well, let me tell you how I doubt it's going to be nice. Yeah. I mean, you're still you're still controlled. You're still in that environment. But he sees it. I, th- I think it's really kind of to me, it seems like a bold experiment uh, that that Van Wickler is, is doing here. 
and he's really giving them as much freedom as they want under the confines of, hey, you've got to be locked down from, you know, 11 to 7 a.m., Outside of that, you've got these areas to go in. They also now, have, presumably uh, there's still some sort of a maximum security area where yes. they won't have the the perks. Yeah, there, there's a there's a isolation block, I guess, or cell group or whatever it is, uh, where they don't have the flat screen TVs. But otherwise, it's they're pretty much all the same. So there you go. There's a little <laughs> bit of update on what's been going on here uh, in in Keene. 800-259-9231. So now the way it's working today, though, I talked to one of the guys there who was in jail for a year, and uh, he was he had a friend who was involved in a DWI where he actually wrecked into a parked car, did uh, quite a bit of damage. The the cars were inoperable and had to be towed. The police came, arrested him, and he was talked into. Uh, buying drugs from his friend by the New Hampshire Drug Task Force. So he went out with uh, the, some of the DEA or the uh, DTF agents and set him up, wore a wire, bought uh, four set ounces. Set up his friend? Yes. The guy that was in jail for a year bought four ounces of uh, marijuana from him. And, uh, you know, that was a crime where there actually was a victim. He got out of his DWI because of his uh, turning over on it to wow. catch the drug offender. Yeah. And then they picked up this man who hurt nobody, who had no victim. It was consensual activity between two adults. And now they're punishing taxpayers at $130 a day for a year to keep this man in jail. And, and it's absurd. Yeah, it really is. Anyway, well, that's one of the things I was reflecting on in, in the last segment was the absurdity of it all. And it being so obvious to us, for many people, it's just it. They're not there yet, and I don't know what it will take to get them there. I was having an email conversation. I shared some of this earlier with you, uh, Sam, with one of the the local police captains. So second, uh, second in rank, I think, to to the chief, basically. And I was having this conversation with him about uh, the the war on drugs. You know, asking him, have you had a chance to talk to? Uh, the 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 warden of this jail. I mean, the superintendent of this jail understands. He gets it. A few years ago, he would have been in the same place. He would have been the drug warrior, the the anti-drug zealot. Now he's a speaker, an active speaker for law enforcement against prohibition. He makes it. You know, he he makes a, uh, he he uh, makes a tour, if you will. He goes to places and and uh, and and stands up and and talks about ending the insane war on drugs. And so his response to me was that. Well, yeah, I have uh, talked to uh, Van Wickler. I have talked to him about that. In fact, he said he went to one of his uh, one of his presentations, even. And you'd think, well, well, gosh, I mean, I've seen this man's presentations. He's he's fairly persuasive. That apparently wasn't good enough. And he he finished up his email by saying, well, you know, well, we can disagree. Isn't that what's so great about being in America? And my response to him was that, well, except I can go to jail if I disagree with you, at over, uh, as over 1.5 million Americans do every year. And I point out to him that you can't win the war on drugs. It's been going on for decades and has cost an uncounted amount of billions of dollars and thousands of lives, including lives of the police. Surely you know, this is this is an area where, um, you know, people that uh, support the, the current state model, um, you know, they – 
that they want to stop having the discussion because it's clear that uh, you know both parties sides are entrenched. They can't uh, they they can't persuade you. Right. Um, your points are you know perhaps what they're thinking is your points are valid and they they're tired of getting called uh you know what they're hearing themselves being called as a a status thug because you yeah. know the, and they don't have any good uh response. But it's you know and so well let's just agree to disagree. No, I, we can I, agree to disagree. That's that's fine and dandy. But what I want you to understand is that your position still imp- imposes and impinges on me and everybody else. Yeah. Like we can agree to disagree. It's but fine what if you we don't like drugs. Is that you're a, a person who is advocating violent, uh, you know, uh, encroachment on your fellow man. Yep. So we're agreeing that you're a jerk. Okay. So I said, surely you can't realize. Uh, surely you realize you can't arrest your way out of drug use, Peter. If not, I hope someday you can see that aggressing against drug users will not help them. Showing them compassion and offering them assistance is the way to affect them positively. Aggressing against, caging, and fining drug users is not compassion, and it only makes things worse. Is this Sturdy? Yes. Okay. Uh, that's his Sturdy's uh, not a jerk. handle name. Uh, no, I didn't say he. I didn't say he was a jerk. No, I, 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 I was talking about people in general, and I said something about jerks. Of the local cops, he's the one that's always willing to uh, to give me a hug. You know, to, to his credit, <laughs> he's I, a nice man. I'm a member of the police hugging squad, and, and you're uh, I always uh, I do my best to remember to offer the cops hugs, and many of them are very uncomfortable by that. Anyway, he sa- I say to him, it's never easy to admit one has been wrong in one's beliefs, especially if those beliefs resulted in harming peaceful people. When you do finally move past your cognitive dissonance and have this epiphany, please forgive yourself. We all make mistakes. All we can do is move forward and do what's right from here out, with wishes that someday you'll become a peace officer rather than a law enforcement officer. And I signed it, and he never wrote back. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. How it is that these uh, guys will end up embracing a compassionate viewpoint, I don't know. That that part remains to be seen. We know it's possible, though. We've seen it happen. More coming up. Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves and dial in via the toll-free number. Brought to you by SACL CAI. That number is 800-259-9231. It's 1-800-259-9231. And joining you tonight, it's Ian with you. And Sam. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com where we give you the features for free. And if you enjoy this program and you want to help support Free Talk Live, shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Enter Amazon through that link and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of the sale. Whatever it is you're buying, they've got dozens of categories. You can even buy used items. So much to uh, to buy over at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Whatever it is you're looking for, it's likely they they stock it. And it's likely you'll get a really great deal. Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Uh, we're recapping some of uh, Sam's experiences from his six-day stint in jail here in Cheshire County, New Hampshire, after having spent 58 days in the same place last year. You were comparing some of the uh, – compare and contrast uh, the differences between your experience the first time out. When you came in the first time, you did not – you weren't as cooperative uh, as you were this time around. They had to carry you into an isolation cell. Uh, this time you voluntarily left the courtroom on your own volition and presumably continued to be a, a little more 
assistive towards the uh, your your captors. Right, for the most part. You I had was... a nice conversation too with one of the sheriffs on the the way out to the jails. I, I did. Yeah, you know they're they're really just sort of starting to see some of the things that we're pointing out, some of the issues that we're bringing up. And they're not ready to say what the what the uh, politicians or the bureaucrats are doing is wrong, but they're saying, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't have any explanation for why these things are happening. I don't know why, you know, the the that Judge Burke is not hearing free stater cases anymore. I don't know why, uh, you know, they're they're doing all of these things. So they're kind they're of paying attention, is what you're saying. They're there. they're paying attention and they're starting to question their paradigm a little bit, I think, which That's is good. A, a good thing. Yeah, that's all and we can ask. I found the same was true when I got into the jail with the other uh, prisoners that were there. They had definitely heard about the free staters at this point. And last time, you know, it would come up after I uh, they asked me, "Well, what are you in for?" With a few folks, I would kind of get a conversation going. And it happened a, a little bit. They were a little hesitant to it. This time, you know, I on two occasions, there were a group of six or eight guys sitting around. They're like, hey, where's the free stater? Come over here. Tell us what you believe in. And so I would huh. go and uh, sit down outside on the lawn with them and uh, just sort of walk through the ideas of freedom and liberty and what it means and how uh, why the courts are corrupt and, and run the way they are and uh, how it might work in a voluntary society and you know, having experienced that, not surprisingly, they, they really understood what I was talking about, why it would be better to have private competing arbitration services where your uh, goal is to restitute the victim and uh, why it doesn't make sense to go after these victimless crimes and so forth and to treat these people who are addicts that, you know, haven't really changed in numbers since the drug war started um, decades ago and, we, and we've spent, well, the federal government has spent over a trillion dollars fighting it. You know, th- those numbers haven't changed, so this approach clearly isn't working, and they get that. So they were a lot more uh, susceptible, I guess, to Recept- the, receptive. receptive to the message. and um, Susceptible would be the word yeah. I think you're looking for. And, uh, you know, they, they really listened, and, and a lot of them started to get it, and they were very excited about the uh, 420 events. I'll bet. <laughs> a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, those, those weren't going on last year when, uh, when you were in jail. They, they didn't start until yeah. the fall. And so many of them, uh, some of them had seen me there uh, speak on the megaphone. We, I, one guy saw the uh, where the uh, police during the first few days when the Keene police were coming out arresting people, and they said, "Don't you think that made you look bad?" Mm. And I said, "Yeah, you know, I understand. We had the the some of the locals that were screaming at the cops, and one of the experienced activists, Mike Tyner, stepped in and pulled this guy off that was shouting freedom right in the cops' ear, which was." really inappropriate and uh you know i explained how we're working on this we're we're starting to tell the people that's why we have the megaphones to remain calm and that you know this is does not have to be a personal attack kind of a thing um so they understood that they i think they understand what we're struggling with the things that we're doing and man, but not all of them you you had told me during the break that some of them were a little hostile towards you yeah in one of the holding cells a guy came in and it started talking and a little bit and uh he was rather upset with me that i was there wasting our money taxpayer dollars <laughs> that uh, this guy was in jail right yeah, yeah yeah wasting doing the same thing right yeah well but his was real because i could pay the three hundred dollars <laughs> and get out then it was not fair for me to be in there and it, it was the same thing last time there were a couple people you know a very small percentage who were very upset by what i was doing because if i just gave them my name i could get out whereas this time if i just paid the money i could get out so uh, the the fact that I would choose that for Stockholm myself Stockholm syndrome big time in these and, and be in there that that upset them so yeah um, 
and he ended up, you know, calling me an idiot and calling me stupid. And uh, then he was. Well, I can see how it would show up for a guy who wants to be free. That if you could just pay three hundred dollars and be free, that I mean, that like maybe <laughs> that's in his world that's stupid. Yeah. I mean, I can I can see where he's coming from, but um, at at the same time, you know, it it doesn't sound like he's making a big effort to walk a mile in your shoes. Right. And so he came into the gymnasium at first and. You know, I had talked to the other people at this point, and they would go up to him and say, hey, you got to talk to this guy. He's really smart. Listen to what he says. And uh, he would go around at first, I think, talking to him, telling him, oh, no, no, this guy's an idiot. He's doing this on purpose and yada, yada, yada. And eventually he came around and uh, was pretty receptive and very friendly and talking to me this morning. So, uh, you know, it, it was just it was such a powerful experience. All of the activists, the things that we're doing up here are so amazing and they're they're having this impact. They're creating this undertow that I didn't you can't know see. was out there. Yeah, yeah things that, that are not necessarily immediate when you're out doing the actual boots on the ground, uh, sign wavings and outreach and various different things that, that we do up here. Yeah, but it was just a, a completely 180 uh, degree difference from the way I was received last time. I, I mean, things are changing, certainly. Very cool. All right, let's go to your phone calls. You can take control of the airwaves here at 800-259-9231. Of course, Sam from ObscuredTruth.com. We haven't mentioned that yet. Lots of great videos that uh, that you've worked on, and now that you're back out, I'm sure you'll be back uh, on whatever project you're currently. I have a uh, interview from the Liberty Forum with Varen Swearingen where we sit down and cover... He's the president of the Free State Project. ...spokesperson, and uh, you know we cover what is the Free State Project, what is the deal with all of this civil disobedience and so forth. It's very good. Cool. So look for that over at ObscuredTruth.com. Let's talk to Kurt listening in New Hampshire. Kurt, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, guys. Sam, hey, I'm so glad that you are out. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm really, really glad about that. It's... Uh, I think one of the reasons why they make these jails so plush is to help continue their bureaucracy there uh, to continue to get their checks every month. You know, people don't get PO'd if they're, they they get kind of uh, lulled into a state of, of it's not so bad going in here and I can continue to have all my guards and I can continue to, you know, it, I won't they won't stand up and complain because I have things are so bad in this jail. Well, uh, and the system's it. really designed to uh, keep people in. I mean, yep. I heard from so many folks that they would violate and then they'd want to reset their probation. So if they had three years and they were a year and a half They'd start it, it over? They'd want to start it over. Oh, wow. Or they would Jeez, make I wouldn't them, imagine that's legal. I mean, there was one guy well, that... Well, that's why we don't see very many of these guys coming out to the 420 because, well, guess what? They're scared. Yeah. And yeah, it's a public are. place. That's true, right, because if if they're caught smoking weed, that's a VOP, violation of probation, and they're back in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And there was I, one I, guy there who uh, you know missed a court date and was sentenced to a year in the county jail, and then when he got out, his probation would reset again for, for one several thing years. That I, I finally found something that I disagree with Mark on. Sorry, Mark. Uh, I love all you guys, but I finally disagree with Mark on something. What's that? That... Uh, you know, I, I look at recently, I don't know how many people know about this, but there was recently there were some, there were a group of four uh, young men who came from Brookline, New Hampshire. They went a couple of towns away to Wilton, New Hampshire, and their intent was to uh, break into this home, and if anybody was there in their way, uh, they were going to uh, kill them. And they did. And they did. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, so they they murdered a man's wife, uh, who is also the mother of an 11-year-old girl, 
And as they were stabbing repeatedly over and over and over, making a bloody, filthy, disgusting mess in this family's home, and I guess they went to attack them because they had wealth comparatively and they were they wanted whatever they had and they didn't want to go the usual route of hard work to get it. So they murdered her, and as they're murdering her and as she's dying on the floor, the 11-year-old daughter comes in and they slit her throat, and she barely made it. I mean, she barely made it. She had to go to a children's hospital down in Boston, and uh, she was going to die, too. And I don't know about you, but what's going to happen to these guys is that, you know, I don't know how you feel about this, but what's going to happen? They're going to say because they were uh, 17, 18, I think two of them were 19 or one of them was 20 or something like that, they're going to say they were kids, okay? And they're going to leave them in jail. It's going to be a cost thing. They're going to look at these things and they're going to say, okay, well, it cost a million dollars to kill them at, you know, for lethal injection. And, and, uh, and, and again, that's taxpayers. So you're advocating, you're advocating the death penalty. I've got to hear saying? this. No, yeah. I, I'm, I'm advocating here's a cheap way to remedy that. I want to find uh, out what you have to say here. Hang on, Kurt. More with uh, you in a moment. 800-259-9231. Hour number two is coming up. Plenty of time for your calls about whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. How long can you hold your breath? (sighs) Not long. After air, water is the most critical factor for life. There are dozens of toxic substances in tap water, even pharmaceutical drugs that city processing can't remove. Sadly, most bottled water isn't much better. The chemicals in the bottles themselves are a serious health concern and a huge environmental problem. Filtering your own drinking water is the logical answer. You'll have a much better quality of water and save a bunch of money, too. Aquasana filters are thorough and more affordable per gallon than even pitcher-type filters. Aquasana is consistently voted the best choice by Consumers Digest. The filters are easy to use and install. Call 866-NO-BOTTLE to order or link online through freetalklive.com. If you'd like a 20% discount, and who wouldn't, when ordering online, use the discount code FTL. Again, that's FTL. Or call toll-free 866-NO-BOTTLE and tell them we sent you to get a great discount on all Aquasana products. Drink smart. 1-866-NO-BOTTLE. Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll free as we launch here into the second hour of the program. The number is 1 800 259 9231. 800 259 9231. Tonight it's Ian with you. And Sam. And Mark. You can join us online. FreeTalkLive.com is the place to go. We'll give you the features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, FreeTalkLive.com. Dot com features including the wiki with over 2,000 pages created by listeners like you. W-I-K-I wiki.freetalklive.com is the place to go to enjoy that. It's free like the rest of our website. Wiki.freetalklive.com. We've been talking about jail. Uh, Sam is freshly out of jail, having been uh, spent the last six days in the local county jail here in Keene, New Hampshire. Uh, we go back to Kurt, another man who has spent time in jail, another one of the uh, the liberty activists up here. Uh, Kurt, you are back on Free Talk Live. Now, you were saying there was something that you disagreed with Mark about. You started talking about the death penalty. I jumped to a conclusion and thought you meant that you supported the death penalty. but that... Well, I do in a way. You do? But, um, I, I, just, I just know, you know, I was discussing the cost. You know, it, it's going to cost a million dollars or so to kill them. I think it's lethal injection is what they use up here, but... I'm not for the state 
uh, having a hand in it. You know, I think you and I and all of us can agree that we're not really, you know, I guess I'm a proponent for death penalty, but, you know, if somebody comes into my home and kills, you know, just say they come in and shoot Auburn or what have you, um, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. I I feel like I'm compelled to go and and execute that person. Maybe I'm in the wrong for doing that or saying that or thinking that, but... Maybe you, you know, are, talk, Kurt, because, I mean, are, don't you consider yourself a Christian man? Well, yeah. Now, this is one of the things that kind of that kind of uh, bothers me a little bit is when Christians, and I'm not one, I, I was at one time in my life, but uh, is is when Christians are advocating vengeance, when uh, I think Jesus would have advocated to turn the other cheek. Now, now in the in the moment, uh, and and I, th- I agree with I think Mark on this. In the moment of the violence, I don't think there's anything wrong well, that, with using with been, using force you know, to defend yourself. Prostituted into mm-hmm. that's that's a whole different ballgame. I don't I don't think that's really, in my opinion, of course, it, everybody's there like you know what opinions are like. But you know, I don't. I think if somebody does that to you know somebody comes into my home and hurts somebody who is here in this home, my family member, um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna protect them as far as I'm concerned. I don't want violence. Um, and I, I don't know what to do with it. I really don't. Well, I, don't I didn't have say an you shouldn't protect them. I, I, in the moment, I think there's something to be said for defending your loved ones and doing what it takes to stop the violence. Yeah, uh, the but, heat of the moment. Yeah. But how do you know later if you've caught the right person? You know, well, uh, the state does that all the time, and they screw sure. up, and they're, you know, I mean, sure, we have to be taught to think critically. Another thing that government schools takes out of people. Uh, and uh, we've got to know, hey, who's coming into the house and why? Uh, maybe they're fleeing from the cops. Uh, you know, I mean, it's. Uh, I I honestly don't know what to do. If it's a heat of the moment thing, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I that's a fair I would, answer. It's a fair thing to say yeah. that you don't know. Now, Kurt, um, I I have mo- I have at one point in my life I was pro death penalty, and now I am against the death penalty. And you have brought up one of the issues that um you know I sort of uh, stood on that there is no reason that I as a taxpayer should have to support a disgusting killer who uh, is sitting behind bars for the rest of his life, giving him yep. three hots and a cot. Um, when you know, as far as I'm concerned, he's less than worthless. And yeah. I have to agree with you, and I'm not here today to defend uh, people that have actually committed, uh, you know, the kind of crimes that one would use the death penalty to punish them for. However, well, maybe this is a topic. You know, this is definitely something I need to understand more and have some kind of more information on to form a, a, an opinion that I feel comfortable with. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it is it is going to come down to cost for these people, these guys. And look, as far as I'm concerned, I could drive at 12 years old. I could do, you know, there's a lot of things that, you know. They're going to say they're kids, and there's not a chance in 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 you know, there's no well chance in hell that they're children. They're they're not kids. They're, this is again another tool that the jailers use to perpetuate their own income, their own business. And I don't the think the jailers are people, and I, I think that's something we all understand. The, the feet on the ground jailers are people that, uh, by and large, uh, you know, pretty conservative folks that support the death penalty. In my experience, um, so yeah. m- now maybe maybe well, we're talking about the administration. I don't know. Um, that seems a little conspiratorial to me. I think that um, well, first off, in New ha- New Hampshire hasn't used its death penalty since the fifties. So um, yeah. in order to even enact the death penalties on, on these kids, you have to build a death house and a death house is going to cost you i mean the government's going to build it right whatever these these men these uh, near monsters um you would have to build a death house in order to uh to, to execute them it's the state you know that death death house is going to cost 
$5 million in order to execute oh, yeah. these guys. Um, also, they're not going to execute them. There there have been just as awful people in uh, New Hampshire prisons before, and they lived and they died in there. And um, so if, if you're talking about the money, the fact is it costs more money in mandatory uh, – appeals and those kind of things to execute someone than it does just to keep them for life in prison. Um, and yeah, and I know that, and and, and, and they're going to keep them in there. They're, they're going to keep them in there for life, but the thing is that they're going to eventually get out again. No. They will get out they, because it's just, that's just how it works. They will get out. I doubt and it. And I don't know what they're going to do again. I have no idea, but they're going to get out again. No, it's, no, it's, Kurt, it's a Kurt, numbers you, game. You, 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 you think they won't get you're out, believing, Mark. You're believing the media. I'm tell, I, because I was in prison with a whole bunch of guys who are never, ever, ever going to see the light of day. This is the kind of... This is, um, this is an, a, a counterfactual statement that everybody b- tends to believe is, oh, don't worry, they're going to let them out at some point. Oh, no, they're not. People that get life in prison do life in prison. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many— life years. Right. It means 25 years until you have the opportunity for parole, and then the parole board, if they yeah. let you out, gets their butts handed to them. I oh, mean, really? politics is about cover your butt, and nobody on the parole board is going to let a I convicted first-degree to- murder— Murderer out of prison. I they thought have if you no... were sentenced to 25 years, that's that's what you spend, and then you're out. That's right. Not the case. Because this is what people think, and it is absolutely not true. So if I can't sentenced... tell you how many men they took out of Avon Park, stiff and dead from old age. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I appreciate that. Then that gives me a little bit more that I can form a, an opinion, I can feel comfortable with. I know. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not too big to say. Yeah, I. I. Hey, I, 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 I'm still learning. I mean, I woke up at 37 years old, basically, to see, to say, my God, everything I've been and everything I've become in my life is, is wrong, and it's it is wrong. And I made a lot of money in my life, and right now I'm making peanuts, and and but I'm happier than I've ever been in my life. And uh, why is that, Kurt? Why are you happier than you've ever been? Well, I'll tell you because. I am. I'm around the best people. I, I finally found a place that I fit in New Hampshire, and uh, that I truly feel I can fit. I mean, I'm not just on the surface like I could uh, when I wasn't connecting the dots for the rest of my, you know, for, for you know, my previous 37 years of my life. And uh, you know, uh, I, 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 I'm just around such great people. I mean, the the church I go to is fantastic. It's not like going to church at all. It's it's. Uh, you know, it's like the church for people who don't want to go to church. The the people I'm up here and forgive the expression of, of free staters. I don't know lack of a better term. I I, I just you know, I came to Pork Fest and I didn't want to go. Man, I did not want to go. You know, and I wasn't even that far. I was down in Massachusetts. So it's like finally I've I've I fit because there's so many people who are exploring the same kinds of things that I'm. What kind of growth, Kurt, what kind of, what, what kind of growth do you feel you've had personally uh, between the time you arrived in New Hampshire, which was what a couple of years ago, and now? Yeah, well, it, it may not be much, but uh, for me, it's pretty big. It may not seem much for anybody else, but for me, it's pretty big. Um, you know, I, I'm able to. Uh, um, I guess, I guess, I guess, I guess, that's a hard question, Ian. I don't know. I, I guess. Uh, uh, I mean, I certainly, I'm certainly around people that I never would have considered being around before because I was such a snot. I'm just being honest, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and uh, I'm now have opinions, and you know, the, yeah, sure, I cared about people before, um, but it was always tainted with I got to make money and I've got to make sure my income is covered, and and um, you know, uh, 
I guess the risks that are there, but I don't know. I I guess that's I think I'll have to think on that one more. That's okay. It's all right. It's a good initial answer, and I thank you for the call tonight, Kurt. I appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. I know that uh, I feel that for me the the growth has been uh, very spiritual. I, I uh, I've definitely changed my viewpoint on the violence. One thing for sure within the last few years. In fact, we can talk about that coming up. It's free talk live. Bring up anything. Notorious space pirate Phoebus Crumb had retired to a frontier world, only to see it destroyed by raiders. Now, Crumb is given a new ship, a new crew, and a dangerous new mission. Infiltrate deep within enemy territory and destroy a deadly dreadnought that threatens the balance of galactic power. Follow the illustrated adventures of L. Neal Smith's Phoebus Crumb online now at bigheadpress.com slash pk. Live, you can take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever's on your mind. Dial in toll free at 800 259 9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. 1 800 259 9231. You can join us on our website. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. We give you the features on the site for free, including our Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens of ladies that have taken the time to send us their validated photo or video showing that they're listeners of the program. Go to shrine.freetalklive.com. And the Shrine of Female listeners now brought to you by freekeen.com over at uh, shrine.freetalklive.com. Every contest involves rules, and every winner knows the rules and how to use them to their advantage. Jurisdictionary.com explains how to use the rules step-by-step. Step. Sam, you uh, you have the, the Jurisdictionary.com uh, course, and you actually you lent it to me, so I've been uh, checking it out. I, say a few words about it. What do, what'd you think? It covers the basics. It teaches you the the fundamental framework of how lawsuits work, of how to interact with the courts, of what motions are, how to draft them, the elements that they contain, how a trial should go. It's a really good primer for you know starting out and learning this stuff uh, and, and applying more advanced techniques. Or just uh, if you're going to get a lawyer and you want to make sure he's doing the right thing, I think it's great for that as well. So it was, I believe it's about $250 for the course, uh, money well spent. Um, I think so, yeah. Great. Jurisdictionary.com. It's uh, like, what, an hour of hiring a lawyer? <laughs> $250? Yeah. It's, it's totally worth it. And I think that it's a, a great way for people to sort of, you know, use the court system in, in a, a form of civil disobedience right where they are um, to, uh, you know, if, if they, they're not going to pick up and move to New Hampshire. Do it where you're at, jurisdictionary.com. But you should pick up and move to New Hampshire. I, I am for freedom. that. I think you'll you'll be more successful. Um, everything will be more successful when it's amplified by more people doing it in one area. Absolutely right. Uh, I think that whether whatever you're talking about, Mark, whether it's politics or civil disobedience and non-cooperation, it's better when people are with you. And that's what Kurt was talking about a few moments ago. Kurt from New Hampshire uh, pointing out that he's – he spends time with people he never would have considered spending time with before because there's a there's a level of connection here between the the various different activists that is just it's it's something that you don't find I don't, I don't think anywhere else in the in the liberty movement in general I know I didn't feel as connected to the people that I was doing activism with down in Florida as uh, as I do up here 
the activists here, I think, are of a higher caliber. They're better activists in general. Many of them have never done activism before, but man, they jump in with both feet first uh, when they come in up uh, when they come up here, and it's just so it's just so much fun being here. So go to freestateproject.org to learn more about that. Also, uh, an update on I think Sovereign Curtis's case. Uh, they're looking to put together a uh, a request for funds from cdevolution.org to help fund Sovereign Curtis. He's one of the liberty activists up here. He was busted uh, a few weeks ago now for possession of marijuana, actually for distribution of marijuana. They charged him with a felony for allegedly passing a joint of marijuana to an undercover police officer. So just to make sure that's clear, it's a felony to pass someone a joint. Here in New Hampshire. Well, if they can get away with uh, charging somebody with it, sure. Really, what they're charging him for is for putting together the uh, the 420 event in the first place. Th- this is true. He was the guy who called the event, uh, but he, it's not like he's in charge of the people that showed up. He just said, "Hey, let's do this," and and uh, folks came out. But anyway, to support Sovereign Curtis, you can go to cdevolution.org. There's a little chip in up there at the top right of the page. Uh, he's looking to raise $7,000 for his legal defense fund, and as far as paying a lawyer is concerned, that's pretty cheap. Uh, but the idea, the intention here is because he's got a felony charge, he's the first liberty activist up here to be hit with a felony charge for anything. He'll actually get a jury. He will get a jury right out the gate, and uh, presumably they don't uh, drop it down to a misdemeanor, but he will get a jury right out the gate, and he's interested in taking this all the way up to the Supreme Court in the hopes of overturning the uh, the insane drug uh, drug laws. So, I mean, he's got a pretty big vision. Uh, there's going to be, a, I think, a blog post coming soon from Curtis uh, over at cdevolution.org. So head on over there, and uh, if you can, get on board with – you can either uh, chip in to the chip-in, or you can become a monthly uh, contributor to CD Evolution. So, once again, cdevolution.org. Yes, Mark. So we were talking about uh, with Kurt about the uh, the death penalty, and um, yeah, you know, I, I I think that this is this is an issue of just basically education because um, I I think that the average person when confronted with some horrible crime, um, you know, they hear about it, the first thing that they think is they think, well, that person that committed that crime deserves the worst thing that we can possibly do to them. Vengeance. And um, first off, I would I would question as to whether or not ending their life is the worst thing that you could do to them, having spent a great deal of time in prison and knowing that the uh, the bleakness that um, that is the existence in prison. I'm not saying every minute is absolute torture. I certainly played some card games and had some good times when I was there. However, what you're the whole time you're there, you have this this uh, this this hole in you, uh, this desire that to get out that cannot be fulfilled for some guys, or um, certainly can't be fulfilled quickly enough for everybody who's mm-hmm. in there. And um, you know what it's like for a guy who knows that he's going to die in prison. It's got to be you know it's 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 a it's a rough thing. That's a bummer. Yeah, and uh, it's a real bummer. And if you consider that perhaps there should be an additional level of uh, sort of imprisonment for people that commit the most heinous of crimes, say something akin to what death row is without the you know the actual execution, you know, say being imprisoned into a little little cubicle or something like that. I'm not saying that I think that that's the best thing. I don't know what the best thing is. Um, I think what the best thing is is that uh, th- these people are forced to work, and that the money that they they generate from their work then goes to it, at least to some extent nominally uh, compensate the victims of their crimes. That's what I would like to see done, and the yeah, idea and pay for the room and board as well, so taxpayers don't have to foot that bill. That much too, that much is true too, because it's a shame that uh, so many of these uh, the, the victims are victimized twice by having to pay taxes right. to support the people that uh, that committed insult these... to injury. Right. 
So, um, but you know, one thinks about it would be it would be cheaper to execute an inmate than to keep them around, and it's just it's just not with our current legal system. The the fact is, with the uh, the, the mandatory appeals and all the things that go into uh, execution, it costs significantly more to execute an inmate than it does to keep them in life in prison. Well, and then there's the question of whether you get the right guy in the first place. And that's the other issue is whether you have the state do it or some some other um, you know a mob execute somebody is. I'm not for, um, you know, exe- I'm not for executions until people are perfect. When you know for sure you're executing a man who has committed a terrible, terrible crime, then I might be for it. But I don't I think even that, know if I'd be for it then. Right. I, 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 I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still I on the I fence. I think I lean more toward one. forgiving. Sure, but you can't force somebody to forgive. No. I mean, otherwise it's not forgiveness. No, obviously um, not. I said I think I lean toward forgiving. Right. That that's what I would. I'm, yeah. I'm with you on that one. Um, but if you look at uh, you know how the uh, how the, the 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 system currently is is even if you if you know a guy did it for sure that means he confessed which means that you would only execute people who confessed which would be counter uh, you know productive to getting people to confess so that doesn't make any sense with the way the you know so, sort of the system reality works so I'm just in general against executions they are inefficient uses of uh, of uh, you know pu- public resources your tax money and they um, are a, clearly not a deterrent because um, you know life imprisonment sucks as far as I'm concerned, just as badly, if not worse. And, um, you know, they just it, it doesn't make sense from all kinds of practical reasons. And it's really just an emotional jug for the yeah. people that, uh, you know, that they see a terrible crime. The toll-free number here for your thoughts, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Coming up, we'll talk about the UK police shenanigans, what they've been doing involving breaking into people's homes. Uh, We will explain here in moments. Also, take your calls about what you want. Free Talk Live. You can listen to Free Talk Live on the radio via podcast, the webcam, and our live streams at freetalklive.com. Not enough options? Now you can listen to Free Talk Live from any phone, anywhere. Add this number to your phone, 760-569-7752. It's a long-distance call, so make sure you're familiar with your phone's calling plan. The Free Talk Live listen lines are airing the latest episode of Free Talk Live 24 hours a day, including our live shows. Call 760-569-7752. That's 760-569-7752. Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Dial in toll-free. Take control of the airwaves, as we like to say. 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Sam. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free. So enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And our features include news updates. You get signed up via whatever delivery method you prefer. Do one, do two, do all three. We've got emailed updates. You can also get them via Twitter or our Facebook fan page. So you choose whatever works best for you. Go to news.freetalklive.com to get on board. That's news.freetalklive.com. The world's largest machine gun shoot military gun show is April 9th, 10th, and 11th. That's this weekend at Knob Creek Gun Range. It's fun for the whole family with machine guns and flamethrowers for rent, helicopter rides, and 800 tables. Showcasing handguns, rifles, shotguns, and more. It opens at 9 a.m., $10 per person, K-N-O-B-CreekRange.com. That's KnobCreekRange.com. 
All right, 800-259-9231. We're going to get to the story here. Uh, By the way, it will be brought to you by copblock.org. A story uh, about the U.K. cops breaking into people's homes. It's pretty crazy. Uh, But just kind of continuing basic uh, on the conversation we were having earlier about paradigm shifts and uh, changing our viewpoint on things. And Sam, were you ever of the uh, violence is okay, violence will lead to peace uh, viewpoint at, at any point in your life? I, I don't know if I would say I held that viewpoint, but um, I certainly, you know, supported the wars. I was kind mm. of the the true average um, patriotic American at some point, it's, if you can actually it's, yeah, believe it's hard that. To, right, because I've only known you since you've been listening uh, to Free Talk Live, and it's it, it is pretty hard to imagine you as a flag waver. Yeah, I, I mean, I I voted, I, I believed in it. I kind of like Mark was not maybe not as bad as him, but uh, <laughs> was just a Republican. That's all I was. Yeah, yeah. same here. And then uh, you know, I got mad at the Republicans when the, I found out about uh, what they were doing checked out the Democrats and saw that, well, this is just more of the same. This is ridiculous processes and all these things. I actually signed up as a uh, uh, a representative for my voting district in the Democratic Party or something like that. And I just saw how bureaucratic and, and silly it all seemed. Uh, and I thought, okay, this isn't the answer either. So that's when I sort of found Free Talk Live and the Ron Paul campaign jumped on there saw more of the same disgusting politics and uh, even moved, kept moving further and further away from that because I just I know that's not really for me. I was on uh, a website uh, the other day where they were comparing politicians on the site. And actually, it's kind of an, as an aside, I don't think I mentioned this on the air. I think I told you about it, Mark, off the air. But a, a couple of weeks ago, we did something unusual on this program, and that is we actually had a, a political candidate on the show Last time we did that that I recall was uh, when Ron Paul was on. I guess you did it during the Liberty Forum when I wasn't on the show. But yeah. uh, but last time when I was on the program uh, as a host, it was Ron Paul. This guy, John Dennis, out in California is running in the race against uh, Nancy Pelosi. And I guess there's a primary, a Republican primary out there. And I was on Facebook. I was looking at the, the, the Facebook posts. And Angela Keaton from Antiwar.com had posted something about John Dennis Exposed. And this was like a week after we'd finished uh, doing this interview where you would told me about this John Dennis guy and, and how he was better than you know some of the other so-called Ron Paul uh, politicians out there and better even than uh, Ron Paul's son, who I've, I've got some, some issues with. And, uh, and indeed, I looked at his website and I thought, you yeah, know, this guy seems to be uh, on the scale of candidates, political candidates, one of the better ones. Okay, I was convinced we'd have him on the show. And there were a couple of questions he kind of slimed his way out of, but hey, he's a politician. What do you expect? Uh, but I, I still came out of the interview thinking, yeah, this guy's probably the best candidate that the liberty movement has out there this year that, that at least I've come across. And so then when I saw Angela post on her Facebook, John Dennis Exposed, I thought, oh, no. What now? What did this guy say? What did this guy do? Because the uh, Rand Paul, the son of Ron Paul, was outed essentially sure. for some of the things he said that uh, were in favor of, you know, the war in Afghanistan and stuff and, like that. You know, and, and he's he's in a very tough position in his uh, senatorial senatorial race there in in Kentucky, and I can understand um, his position. But but I, he was outed know. by his own uh, admission, you know, answering questions and and essentially being very not not so pro liberty on some issues that was a real turnoff to me. And I thought, oh, God, they've done the same thing with this John Dennis. John Dennis exposed is what I what is what is on this site that is that is making Angela Keaton post it to her her Facebook uh, profile. And when I went.
went to it, I was surprised to find that it was actually a hit site against John Dennis from the Republicans. I thought it was going to be the Libertarians uh, outing this guy as a neocon or something like that, but they actually have a video up on the site of John Dennis mentioning antiwar.com in an interview that he uh, that he did with Andrew Napolitano on uh, the Fox Freedom Watch show, and and really just just outing him as a as essentially a peace uh, someone who's in favor of peace. This is how the Republicans were attacking this Republican candidate. You know, it's like he's not a real Republican. They had a little checkbox. Uh, comparing the candidates, Nancy Pelosi, John Dennis, and whoever the Republican was. And, and of course, they had all the same checks near Nancy Pelosi's name and John Dennis to try to make him look like he's just like uh, Nancy Pelosi. And I was just so I was just so amused by it. Uh, and I thought, oh, this is great. You know, th- this isn't a, a libertarian hit uh, hit site against this guy. Maybe he really is a, a, a politician worthy worthy of supporting. I think so. But, you know, <laughs> but, it's not easy. It's not easy to get excited about politicians. But I'm, this- I'm not excited about him. I'm just saying, you know, if you're going to give money to a politician maybe this maybe this is the guy uh, for for 2010 although i think uh, you certainly might want to consider giving money to the uh, the races in new hampshire as we know that those folks are going to be fairly uh, fairly principled a lot of the people running this year in new hampshire will be principled but we just don't know who they are yet because we've yet to get close to that uh, but on this john dennis exposed site in this check box thing there was only one box checked for the republican candidate the republican candidate the the, the woman that he's running against in the primary and that was was believes in peace through strength mm. and i just thought yeah uh peace through strength now the other way to, to phrase that is believes that you can get peace through violence believes that you can have peace by going over and rolling tanks around in the streets and shooting people from helicopters my gosh the the discussions that we had over lunch about this video that has uh, that has hit the internet uh, where the helicopter pilots are the helicopter people in Iraq or Afghanistan are just mowing innocent people down I couldn't watch the video last night. Somebody, I think it was uh, a guard, brought it up when when he was here last night. It, it's horrifying. I, did, I just, just, I just didn't want to watch it. it I, I've seen this stuff before, where they just treat people like they're targets and not human beings, and they just blow people away. In this video, apparently, the part I didn't get to, they blew away some children that uh, that yeah, arrived on the of scene them. of this murder. Mm-hmm. Uh, just and these were reporters with cameras that were that's clearly right, visible. Right. And, and and one this thing is that peace through strength should be pointed out is that in Iraq um, it is commonplace for everybody to have an AK-47 in their house. So walking around with an AK-47 in your not house unusual. is not uh, you know in and of itself an act of aggression. So uh, just uh, just I thought that was a a real good example of what they mean by peace through strength. How can anybody believe that those sorts of actions, just cold murder, could in any way achieve peace? I mean, that's just, it's lunacy to believe that. It's some sort of a mental disorder. Yeah, and, it can uh, be changed. The paradigm can be shifted. But man, is it just, it's sick. So, and I'm so sorry if I ever believed that to be the case. So the, um, you know, people will defend this position that, look, it's war. Um, the regular rules don't apply. It's not murder. That's, it's not murder. Simply not murder. And I'd like to uh, point out to those people that if, um, if, if somebody did something bad to me in my house and I went out in the street and I went, uh, you know, popping caps at them at the, as they walked down the street and I happened to shoot a child in the process, would I be guilty of, uh, you know, murdering that child? I think I would. 
if Only, I employed you wouldn't somebody, be guilty apparently if you if you called it a war before you. If you did I employed it. somebody to do that on my behalf and they mowed somebody down in the process, would I be responsible for their actions? Not if you're the commander in chief. Ah, but if you were anybody else, you would. So yeah. therefore, that makes the politicians and everybody in the, uh, the, the in the government that supports these things. Murderers, accessories to murder, principles, no, the principles to murder. They, they, they um, are committing the acts. If because the government can't do anything that uh, you know regular citizens can do, you cannot do things with impunity. That is not that does not make it moral simply because you work for the government. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can take control of the airwaves. Were you ever somebody that believed in the old peace through strength line? The idea that you could achieve peace through committing violent acts? We'd love to hear from you. What's your story? It's Free Talk Live, 800-259-9231. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, investment, and barter currency. We've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some great rates on some hand-picked gold and silver pieces. U.S. Eagles, British Sovereigns, 20 Franks, Lakota Nation Silver Rounds, Montana Silver Reserves, and Walking Liberty Halves. Call 877-857-9938 or go to gold.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can all at once. Gold.freetalklive.com. Talk Live. Bring up anything. Dial in. Toll free. 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll free line. 1-800-259-9231 tonight. It's Ian with you. And Sam. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features. Features including our our entire site. It's free. The updates, Shrine of Female Listeners, Archives, Wiki, Listen Options, Listening Options, all there. At freetalklive.com. The site itself has been redesigned for 2010. FTL 2.0 allows you to go in and submit stuff. You can uh, you can submit news stories and blog posts and videos and audio, whatever it is that you think is interesting, uh, that you think our listeners will enjoy. And our listeners and you get to vote on the different, stu- uh, the different stuff that has been submitted to the website. Most popular items will be voted up to the top of the website. And that means that the most popular items are more likely to get on the air. Which so it's a very, it's a it's a really useful way to interact with other listeners and also affect the things that we talk about on this program. Of course, the best way to affect the things we talk about on this show is to call in and bring up whatever you want. 800-259-9231, because we will take your calls about anything here. Talking about the idea, this ludicrous idea that so many people believe in, that you can achieve peace by violence that through the means of violence one can achieve the ends of peace we go to your phone calls phil is listening to wsvg in mount jackson virginia phil you're on free talk live with the insane mark How you doing tonight? hey How phil you doing tonight, uh, gentlemen just super what's on your mind well i was listening to you talk about this concept of peace through strength and i think that when you hear people say that you can have multiple connotations as to what that exactly means you could have, there is the mindset, which the one that you believe, that there are people who believe that you can achieve peace through going over to someone else's country, destroying their infrastructure, killing everybody, and saying, ah, now we have peace. Now, there's also people, I have a mindset that part of peace is having the ability to defend yourself if provoked and having a decent ability to do that, basically being the guy in the room who 
doesn't want to have trouble, but if trouble should come to that person, they can handle themselves. And that's more my definition of peace through strength, having the strength to defend yourself. But I do agree that it's pretty ludicrous to think that, well, if we preemptively go over and, and attack them before they get us, I mean, that's, that's not peace. That's just fostering a huge mess like the one we've been in for the, almost a decade now. Well, even the whole them-us mentality, I think, is uh, is fairly dangerous. The idea that they are somehow different from us simply because they happen to occupy uh, a different politically designated plot of uh, of land. And I'm not saying that you necessarily buy into that, but there's certain terms that we tend to use when we're speaking that we may not necessarily mean. There really is no them and us. It's just... Uh, at least as far as people in different plots of land. I, I would say if there's a them and us, it's the people who want to aggress against others and the people that want to be left alone. I would say that's the real division, uh, the idea that there's a, a difference between human beings uh, around the world. People are just people. Yeah, I don't have a problem with the idea that uh, that somebody, for you know whatever reason, takes some steps to uh, you know be prepared in case something terrible happens, either in their home or, oh, that's, or, that's or a nation. Or a nation um, takes those steps. but A nation the, can't do anything. There's no such thing. Well, uh, a nation is a group of people working uh, together for a common uh, goal, right? I mean, that's okay. the, the, a working definition of it. There's no such thing, though. But go ahead. Um, so it, it, I have no problem if with a with, with a nation, uh, you know, by having tools to defend themselves. But I think that there's a real problem um, with at least ours. I don't know about the rest of the nations out there, but I can speak to ours in that. So you're a member of the nation, Mark? I, I live here. Hmm. They they take my they take my money in the form of taxes. Yeah, I thought that you were defining a nation as a group of people that has come together for a common purpose. I'd li- really like to address this issue of uh, of, of defense and what uh, this nation does with its stuff uh, before we talk about us, them, we, you, uh, and pro- you know the pronoun discussion that you love to have. Um, the, the the issue here, I feel, is that the the, the United States government um, is as a man with a hammer that sees a whole bunch of nails. Uh, that the the military industrial complex, to use a term that uh, Eisenhower coined, um, perhaps at least he made it famous, um, is it seems to be very much in charge of the the, the government, um, the Department of Defense, uh, you know, all these organizations, and they find a lot of problems where they didn't need them in the first place, and uh, you know they the the solutions strangely enrich those same people that fi- are finding those problems. Phil, any no, thoughts? I, I, I do definitely agree with you with the fact that, you know, our military tends to stick its nose where it's not necessarily needed. And I believe that military, you know, there's a reason why they call it the Department of Defense. You know, it is for defense purposes, and that's what it should be there for. Oh, the reason they call it Department of Defense is for public relations purposes, because calling it the the uh, Department of War and Indiscriminate, Indiscriminate Killing would be a terrible, terrible name for it well, maybe from in a the public year, relations standpoint. Ma- maybe <laughs> when it was originally created, Mark, it really was used no, for No, when it was uh, the, originally created, it was called the Department of War. Really? Yes. Oh, wow, they were much more honest back then. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what it was for. <laughs> And, and war wasn't as big of a deal. It was the, the expectation that a nation would do such a thing. And our founding fathers, um, you know, were, were trying to not do that. I mean, wars were just things that rich guys that controlled uh, huge plots of land did with each other. So, Phil, I mean, would you agree, though, that if you're, you're looking at a, a politician's website and they use the catchphrase peace through strength, they're talking about killing people around the world? Yeah, I'm pretty leery whenever I read that, especially nowadays. And I think that the people confuse the idea with uh, confuse the uh, confuse the idea of 
having a strong military with having an active and aggressive military. There's a difference between the two. If you have the capacity to say, look, you know, we're not going to give you any trouble, but don't mess with us, it's a little bit different of a stance to take. It's that whole speak softly and carry a big stick thought process without actually swinging the stick unless someone takes a swing at you first. I think that's one of the reasons why New Hampshire is such a safe place, because uh, up here, and also in Vermont, Alaska, there are very few gun restrictions, meaning that anybody, pretty much anywhere, could be carrying a, a deadly weapon, and it's that It's knowledge. darn likely. <laughs> it's, well, that, luckily, it's that knowledge that me, likely I mean, keeps they, criminals in line. Yeah, luckily for me, here in Virginia, it's not quite as nice as it is in New Hampshire in regards to that, but... We're close to it and getting there, so i got to say that at least in that sense, I feel safer myself. You know, it's, you mentioned Virginia. I actually have a story. I don't know if we'll get a chance to get to it, but it's in my show prep. Hopefully at some point this week we'll, uh, we'll get around to it about uh, the police actually blacking out information, refusing to release information. Thank you for the call tonight, Phil. Appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. So I was mentioning that uh, since I've been up here in New Hampshire, it's been a kind of a, 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 a bit of a spiritual journey for me. I've really... I've I've had a lot of change in, in my personal life in the last three years, and Sam, you turned me on to a, a great uh, book called Conversations with God, yes. uh, which I just thought was so uh, spectacular. I I went and I signed up for the daily emails, and right. uh, Neil Donald Walsh, the uh, the author, sends out these you know daily thoughts for the day, that kind of thing. And and uh, as as we were discussing this peace issue, uh, this happened to be in my email box, says that peace cannot come through uh, to this world until you are convinced that violence will never produce it. Peace cannot come to this world until you are convinced that violence will never produce it. He goes on to say that hurt doesn't heal hurt, and violence will not bring an end to violence. Help the world to understand this by reacting differently, responding newly when anger and a need to hurt you is sent your way. I just thought that was really nice. You know, and this is, yeah, this is something that I'm working on for myself. It's a Um, constant challenge yeah it, it is and i'm not you know i i tend to straddle the fence on on this issue as um you know because many people are you know they're they're very concerned with this moment in time that they might have to use violence in order to uh, uh you know protect the ones they love or or whatever um and you know in the process they play out the scenarios yeah and, they they do uh, and, and of course they, done it. they claim you know uh, that we need police and and military and and all these organizations these these organizations of men um you know trained to do violence to protect us from this moment in time that this may occur of course in the process of having uh, these or, these these organizations you must do violence on everybody all the time by threatening them um to you know contribute to these organizations to keep them around in the process making organizations that are far less inefficient uh hungry for growth uh they have a monopoly on the uh the, the, in the area that they um that they their, their billowack um and it I, I feel that they actually can be counterproductive, are generally counterproductive for the goals that they were set out to, uh, to uh, you know, uh, for in the first place, to maintain peace, maintain order, um, uh, maintain, um, you know, justice and, and um, th- these kind of things. And I, I think that often they do the opposite. The toll-free number here tonight is 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. Hour number three is on the way. Plenty of time for you to bring up whatever might have to be on your mind. 
1-800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. computer but don't seem to have the money to buy one is your credit stopping you from buying the newest computers that you need today then my computer club is your answer to buy that new computer or laptop now and pay for it later finance top quality new computers and laptops and hundreds of other electronics there are no credit checks no turndowns if you're 18 years or older and have proof of income you're approved prices start at just 22 dollars a month go to mypccredit.com and finance your new computer today that's mypccredit.com This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into the third hour of the program. You are invited to take control of the airwaves. Dial in. Bring up whatever's on your mind. 800-259-9231 is the number for you to take control of the airwaves. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Sam. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site. They are free, including various different ways to listen into the show. We've got live streams, broadband, and dial-up flavors, plus our webcam. And listen lines, which allow you to listen in via any phone that can dial long distance for free at listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen.freetalklive.com. We go straight to the phones and the fun to WNMR. Eugene is listening in Vermont to Free Talk Live. Hello, Eugene. Hi, guys. Yeah, uh, I just wanted to say I think uh, uh, Peace Through through Strength has worked for us pretty well, and I, I would cite the Cold War over the last 50 years now. The Soviet Union was pretty much bent on destroying us for the last uh, 40 or 50 years, and uh, it never happened. And why didn't it happen? Because they knew if they came at us, we would destroy them with, uh, with the concept of mutually assured destruction. What's the problem with that? Well, um, for one, I think that uh, when you're talking about defensive weapons, it's uh, something entirely different than uh, you know than offensive weapons. Do you think that? Uh, don't you think the Cold War spun off into things like Vietnam, which was a big entire waste of uh, of life, life and uh, and and money? Uh, Korea is another good example. There were several uh, several other uh, smaller skirmishes. Well, I would I would say that uh, yes, you could you could say that. Uh, Korea and Vietnam were spin-offs of the Cold War, but uh, the, but we never uh, never essentially destroyed the planet by uh, by engaging in conflict with the Soviet Union. Now, as far as these other conflicts, Vietnam, I didn't agree with Vietnam in any way, shape, or form, and and, and to tell you the truth, I didn't really agree with Korea. Well, I want to go but, uh, back to uh, the Soviet Union example that you brought up, and, and I would not agree that the Cold War is what collapsed the Soviet Union. Socialism is what collapsed the Soviet I Union. Never said, I never said the Cold War collapsed the Soviet Union. I don't remember him saying that. No, he didn't say that. Oh, okay. Well, I heard. I, I got Maybe that's that what you heard in your head. It was bouncing around <laughs> in there. <laughs> but um, you know, and, and now there are all kinds of uh, nuclear waste that's uh, scattering, scattered across the countryside, that's falling into the wrong hands, and it's, it's created a, a number of problems. What do you think the reason was, Eugene, that the uh, the Soviets allegedly the Soviet government uh, so was angry about the United States government? What do you think that was? Oh, it was because of their political ideology. It's just like just like what we're dealing now with the uh, Islamics. Uh, their ideology is different than our ideology, 
and uh, and there is no. When you say no Islamics, cop- when you say Islamics, do you mean Muslims? Yes, I mean. Well, I well no, I wouldn't say Muslim. I would say, I would say Islamics. What is that? What does that mean? Uh, can you explain that for me? I would say that's uh, you're talking about a religious aspect, meaning meaning Muslims in general. I don't feel Muslims in general have any uh, great hate for the United States or, or anyone else, but uh, groups, sections of Muslims, Islamic jihadists, uh, they do have a problem with us, and they will be a problem for a long time because there is no compromising with these people. I mean, I, I understand that, you know, I understand your concepts of, of uh, peace through peace, I guess, but when you're dealing with people who are not rational, you can't, you know, when you can't have a, when you can't have a rational conversation with a person, it's hard, it's hard to achieve that peace that we're all looking for. So what is it, do you think, that has created that, uh, that problem with us? Religion. Religion. You think it's religion. You don't think it has anything to do with U.S. foreign policy whatsoever? Uh, right now, I would say no. No, I well, well, no, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. That is part part of the excuse that the Islamics would use that we've gone into their countries and we have. Uh, believe me, as far as I'm concerned, Iraq was the, the the biggest mistake in the world. Although I wouldn't say the same thing about Afghanistan. And my only my justification for get Afghanistan now, is we we were attacked on 9/11. Three thousand well, of our people were we? slaughtered, and. And those attacks came directly out of the the hills of Afghanistan. Now, how about when the CIA threw out democracy and installed the Shah in Iran? What about it? I mean, do you do you feel like that's going to create a lot of these uh, angry people? I, I mean, that that's happening well, all that's... over, and that's not stuff that generally you hear about in the in the government schools in the U.S. But the, that's happening around the around the world. Well, the. the, the politicians have notoriously meddled in uh in uh the the politics of other countries yeah and that's uh, the difference that i think ian's trying to point out to you it's the politicians who are ordering these soldiers to go out and fight they're fighting for what the politicians want not necessarily for what the people want or for the safety and security of the of the country they're out there this personal mercenary army of the bureaucrats who they'll go off and kill anybody that they're told to basically what you're saying is is absolutely ludicrous the uh, the U.S. military. Wait, wait. What part of the that? Was U.S. The U.S. military is is an entity unto unto itself. What? And it it it, it does what it's told. Meaning that's what Sam just said. You that... can't you can't fault the American military for doing anything that it does because well, the can American we wait a minute? Mil- can we fault the SS? The American for... military does what the politicians tell it to do. Well, didn't what isn't that what Sam just said? It sounds like you agree with what Sam said. He just Which said is, that they do whatever it is the politicians tell them to, and you said you disagree, and then he went on to say that exactly what he just said. In different, yeah, but yeah, he, and then he, that, well, Sam, no, no. but I would say Sam is trying to fault the American military. No, no, no. I don't what fault I'm saying the American is, military. I fault the politicians. Wait a minute. What you, don't, you don't fault the uh, the men that shot those innocent people uh, the other day that uh, the video just came out on uh, WikiLeaks? Did you see that video? No, I didn't. You, you don't fault the uh, the American soldiers on an individual basis for pulling the trigger and killing innocent people. You don't fault them. No, 
and not in any way, shape, or form. They are ordered to do what they are doing. So was doing. it okay when the uh, the Nazis burned uh, Jews in ovens? Was it all right when they sent them they to camps? To. No, not at all. Why, now, why is that is it, different? Why is it different? Because that's just straight-up murder. When you're, when you're a soldier on a battlefield and your commanders say, go and take this town, and you take the town, and, and in the process of taking that town, you shoot an innocent person in the face, well, guess what? That's called collateral damage. And you can, call, you can co- call murder whatever you want, Eugene. Um, and when you, say, when you use terms like collateral damage and battlefield, you obs- obfuscate the truth. This battlefield is somebody's town, okay? And then they go in there, and they're, what they're attempting to do is the job of a police officer by uh, discerning, okay, which one of these uh, Arab folks is the bad guy and which one's the good guy? You shouldn't um, – if you're going to fight a war, you, you should have a bunch of people in different uniforms going at each other. Um, to try to use the military in a policing role in a foreign country is a is a misuse of the military itself, and it it, it causes all kinds of problems. One of those problems is murder. What your your definition of murder is obviously different than my definition. My definition of murder, of murder is killing an innocent person. What's yours? Right, and my definition of murder is killing an innocent person. My also definition of collateral damage is when I'm a soldier and I'm on a battlefield and my commanding officer gives me a task to do and and, uh, one of these people are, are, are essentially in the way and become collateral damage. That's exactly what it is. It's not murder. It's collateral damage. So how many people are you allowed to collaterally damage before it's a massacre? As, as few as absolutely possible. Uh, you know, I, and I believe, and I believe our, uh, I believe our military tries absolutely I as think hard the, as they can. I think the twenty-two, year, to, I think the twenty-two-year-old young men who uh, get too little sleep and are hopped up on, uh, um, on uh, stimulants probably do do the best that they can do. However, that's not the guy I want pointing a gun at me. Do you understand that, Gene? Eugene, excuse me. I think you, you're, Eugene. I think you're, I think you're, uh, you're, you're, you're. Your thought processes is, is huge. Eugene, I want to hear from you if you would, if it was your son or your uh, father that was collateral damage, if you would call it murder then. We'll come back with, uh, if you want, Eugene, you can hang on. We'll uh, bring you back here for a little more discussion. 800-259-9231. I also want to uh, further explore his belief that it was bad when the Nazis were just following orders, but it's okay when the U.S. troops do. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Nestle Carnation Evaporated Milk, the cooking milk that makes life richer. For rich and creamy recipes, visit us at thecookingmilk.com. We all have our roster of recipes, but eating the same dishes over and over becomes boring. Instead of throwing them out and starting from scratch, play with different ingredients to give new flavor to old standards. Try Thai spices instead of your usual Italian seasonings. That just might do the trick. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves and dial in. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online, freetalklive.com. We've got our bulletin board system with over 500,000 posts. There's a lot to talk about there. Serious issues, fun stuff. You'll find it all free. bbs.freetalklive.com. Research shows that a one-year-old will learn twice as fast as a two-year-old. These early years represent a critical time in your baby's life. 
this is the absolute best time to teach babies to read. We got my son a great kit called Monkey See, Monkey Do, and he loves it. You can uh, get it at babyreadingkit.com, and I recommend it for your child. It's babyreadingkit.com. I'll tell you, Jack has uh, just been talking up a storm uh, about the you know these videos. He he sees the words, he he sees the action going on, and he and he says it. It's it's he's been a, it's been a vocabulary explosion the last week. We had Eugene on the line uh, listening to WNMR in Burlington, Vermont, and asked him to hang over. I guess he decided he didn't want to answer your question, Sam. Can you recap the question, maybe? just for our audience yeah I, I mean he was drawing this distinction between murder and collateral damage so i just wanted to turn it around if it was if it was his kids or somebody in his family that was quote collateral damage how would he feel about that would he call it murder at that point and, oh no it'd be fine because george bush or barack obama said to, that those uh, men should go there and do what they did yeah they I, were after some uh, anonymous threat called al-Qaeda or, or, or whatever other uh, alleged person they're uh, supposedly after as they're demolishing neighborhoods uh, and destroying homes and families. You know, I just don't think that's an honest response. We go to your phone calls. Uh, talk to Rich listening to w, uh, WVTS in Charleston, West Virginia. Rich, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Sam, and Mark. Make sure you turn down your radio if you would, please, Rich. I can hear it in the background. He is listening to the radio. Let's put Rich back on hold. Uh, that's that's what happens. Let's put him back on hold, please. Okay, that's what happens when you don't listen on your phone. You don't know. You listen you're, on your phone, not on your radio. Right. You don't know when you're called because well, there's a delay involved here, and it's radio broadcasting, and so it takes eight seconds. So now Rich is oh, wow, I've got my phone. We'll get back to you, Rich. Hang on. Uh, let's try Jason instead. Jason, listening also to WVTS. Jason, are you there? I am here. <laughs> hey, what's on your mind tonight? That's, is he from Charleston also? That's yes. crazy. It, it is crazy. Uh, well, no, I was Small listening to the conversation you were having with that gentleman. I mean, you guys are completely correct. I mean, what the, what our military does is murder. I mean, it's it's sanctioned, and it, they talk about it in a different light, but it's it, that's what it is. Yeah, I really wanted to make the distinction with him that, you know, the, what the people want and what the politicians order the soldiers to do don't always – like, they can't align. You've got 300 million people and, like, 500 politicians. You so. know, a, a friend of mine was told me a story about a friend of his that was over in Iraq where, um, you know, a machine gunner opens up on him. He's in the saw position on a, uh, on a Humvee, and I don't know what that stands for, but it's a big – Big bad machine gun, yep. and he just uh, wipes out this crowd of people. He gets the guy that had the machine gun, but in the process, he gets women oh, and geez. kids and just right. wipes that, out a crowd. Was, and the I guy would have never. Friends. What's that? I have several friends over there. That was the standing order. Was if there was one person in a group of people, they were ordered to kill everyone in the crowd because all those other people let that guy with the gun walk in, so they were considered guilty too. I mean, I have lots of friends that have been over there and served, mm. and they came back fucked up because oh they murdered Oh my God, people. we've got to let you go. Oh, I'm so oh, sorry. sorry Thank you uh, for the call. <laughs> <laughs> I can't let that go. But what he was saying for He's our right. listeners... They did no, come back <laughs> really uh, messed up. Right. They, they, they came back messed up. He was talking about his buddies. Uh, we had to hit the dump button there, unfortunately, on him because it's an emotional issue, and he got a little carried away. Uh, but yes, uh, his friends did come back messed up, and you, you you know you're you're lucky if you come back with all your limbs, but just because you come back with all your limbs doesn't mean you're all there in your head and that you don't have some incredible uh, d- difficulties. Let's continue here. Butch is with us. It's not Rich. It's Butch listening to WVTS in West Virginia. Butch, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, that gentleman uh, that sort of approved of collateral damage. My question would be: Has he been a vet? Has he been in a combat situation? Yeah, nobody wants, nobody wants peace uh, like a soldier wants peace. At my you know? age now, I accepted them and that politically correct answer of collateral damage. But bottom line, when it comes down to it, when you got to answer for it, it's still murder. 
any way you look at it, if you're stepping into another man's country. I mean, most of the people we dealt with in Vietnam were peasants. They had no idea why we were there. I, what else can you say to that? I, yeah. I don't really have anything else. I mean, to... that's that's the voice of experience speaking, and, and it's so many of the people out there that bang the war drum that say that we need a strong military, and what that re- generally means is we need to go in other people's countries and blow them up. Um, and and, and yeah, I'm, I don't – a strong military that one doesn't do anything with, maybe I'd be for that, but I've never seen it in real life. Um, yeah, well, the Founding Fathers uh, cautioned against having a standing they, they military. They absolutely did. And um, so when you talk about – when you talk to the guys on the ground that were there and they saw this stuff, you, it, it's, it's nothing like these people that bang the drum that have never been involved. That's why they, they coined the term chicken hawk. If you haven't been in the military, I don't know about you know this, this banging the war drum thing. Rich, anything else you want to share? Or Butch, anything else you want to share with us? Well, all you need to do is look at history. Look back at uh, if anybody is old enough, because they don't put it in the history book anymore about mm-hmm. the bonus march on the Washington Monument grounds, who they sent to turn the machine guns loose on those veterans that wanted their $500. That's right. This was yeah. the uh, the World War One veterans, right? Right. Yes, it was. They showed up, they, they wanted what was due to them, what they believed they were promised by the, the U.S. federal government, and they were slaughtered by the U.S. It was the military, wasn't it? No, it was not. It was the National Guard. National Guard. The three gentlemen in charge was Eisenhower, Patton, and MacArthur, sir. Oh, God. Wow. And how many people wow, were shot? I didn't know that. How many people were shot at that, uh, on that day? Do you, do you know? There were 16 dead. Wow. What's that? How many died in Kent, at Kent State? Because that's another one of those it's, it's, moments. Uh, probably fewer than that. that. Now you always hear about Kent State, but you don't hear about the uh, this incident. What was it called? Was there is there a name for this incident with the the World War Two or the World War One vets being mowed mowed down? They under Wilson's regime, they did everything in the world to cover it up as much as possible. I don't even think there's an excerpt in any of the history books anymore for kids to know about it. It was a very black day in in this nation. Yeah. Turning people loose to shoot veterans. And they would they do really it again. They do good with our military. They need to bring our military home and protect our borders, particularly our southern borders. Well, that's that's the one. Not only <laughs> illegal immigrants, but the drugs. Well, I tell you what, you had we had you had me on board with you right up until that last statement, my uh, my man. Uh, I I I understand where you're coming from, and uh, what I would say to They'd that. They make a lot less trouble if they did what he he recommends. What well, I I agree with bringing the military home, but I think that at that point we need to just disband the federal government and dis, you know disband the military entirely because there's no there's no point in having a federal government but on the on the issue of the borders i think that uh those the people that are coming here have been demonized they've been uh, made into the new communist uh, the new red scare essentially the new uh, national enemy for the government to use to create a police state right here at home and i wonder how much uh how much of a police state are you willing to put up with in order to stop the uh, the flow of immigration because that's really the ultimate question here butch Sir, I'm not against immigration. I'm not against immigration either at all. I am from a family of immigrants. I am from Irish. My family come over here and took beatings. And in a store from here where I'm down in West Virginia, there was a sign hung on the outside of that store one time. And I, I hope this is unpolitical correct to say it, but these are the exact words. No dogs, no niggers, and especially no Irish allowed in this store, sir. And that sign hung on that store up until my grandfather... Left for World War I. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Uh, in fact, the there was a guy that called in to tell us about New York City, where there were a lot of so-called illegal immigrants coming in from Ireland, and 
they didn't take all the jobs. Everything's fine. And in the same way, the the people coming here from uh, from the South are many of them just looking for a better life for themselves. I don't think they should have to jump through arbitrary government hoops to get here, though. Thank you for the call. More coming up. Free Talk Live. We wouldn't be where we are without our amplifiers. Their $3 per month helps us spread Free Talk Live and gets them access to perks at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Sam. And Mark. Sam, of course, joining us from ObscuredTruth.com. Be sure you get a chance to head on over and visit his website. See his videos, ObscuredTruth.com. 800-259-9231. So we continue here also to tell you about our website at freetalklive.com. We've got a lot of archives, so if you missed a moment of the show, you can just click and download. They're yours for free. freetalklive.com. Hey, are you frustrated with the lack of freedom where you live? I know I was. Are you tired of the oppressive state intruding into your business and personal life? Who's not? If you knew that thousands of liberty-loving people were all moving to the same place and getting active, would you join them? Well, I did, and I'm so glad that I did. You can, too. Join the Free State Project at freestateproject.org. Over 10,000 people now have uh, decided to become participants in the Free State Project. They have pledged to make the move to New Hampshire and become activists for freedom. It is a great movement. Hundreds of people have already made the move. The three of us you hear in the studio tonight are all early movers for the Free State Project, and... I am so uh, so happy. I, I came when I did. I wish I could have come sooner, uh, and I, I hope that we have more people coming here sooner rather than later because it's such an exciting movement, such a great group of people, the, really some of the best, nicest folks that, uh, that you'll ever come across up here. And they're really great activists, too. So, freestateproject.org. Before we continue with the phone calls here, I just want to briefly go over the, uh, the concept of uh, immigration freedom because we were talking with Butch a moment ago. And we had a lot to agree with Butch on. In fact, when he was talking about um, killing in the in the military, that was one of those one of those rare moments where I just had absolutely nothing to say. Yeah, I mean, what I'm can, a talk show host. What, and what can you say about a guy who was uh, over there and and saw it all? And and um, you know that's his summation that uh, collateral damage is murder. What can you say? Right. Uh, you, there's nothing you can add to that. But then he went on to say that he thought the military should be withdrawn from around the world, which I agree with that part, uh, and put on the southern border to stop. The so-called illegal immigrants, and that's where we our paths diverge. Because first of all, I said that uh, we talked about immigration. He pointed out that he's in favor of immigration. As many people who are anti-so-called illegal immigrants will point out that, oh, I'm I'm fine with immigration. It's just that I think that people who want to come here should have to jump through whatever governmental hoops have been put up. I mean, he didn't say that, but that's the that's the uh, implication by yeah. saying, oh, I'm in favor of immigration, but I don't like those illegal immigrants. Well, because the illegal immigrants are avoiding a governmental uh, bureaucracy because they're not filling out paperwork, because they're not sending uh, f- they're not sending application fees and all kinds of monies to government bureaucrats. Well, they don't integrate as well as uh, they should be, Ian. That's not true. Of course they do. They're not welcome in the damn system. Well, I mean, it's not true. They immigrants they over try time. To, over time they do, but um, I would say that it's probably true that uh, illegal immigrants probably have a harder time integrating because, well, they have to duck and dodge the that authorities. Yeah. And uh, if you if you let people that wanted to work hard and come here uh, for a better life, and by a better life I mean the ability to work and keep the money that they they earn, not the ability to collect welfare, because I don't think that uh, yeah. I don't think that I should have to pay for you know somebody who doesn't want to work whether they're from this country or any country. Exactly. 
if there's a problem, it's with the system and the government and the programs that they've set up to encourage listlessness like the welfare system. That's one of the big objections that people have to immigration is that they think they're going to come here and mooch off the system. And some of them may very well be doing that, uh, but it's the fact that there is a system to mooch from that is a problem. In the absence of a coercive wealth redistribution program like welfare, like the government uh, in general, then People that would be coming here would all be make, would be here coming here to make a better life for themselves. And otherwise, if they were looking for some sort of a handout, they'd have to get it from organizations that were giving out handouts on a voluntary basis. They were getting the money to hand out to people, the food to hand out to people on a consensual basis. And who could disagree with that? The problem is the force. The problem is that you're forced to pay for people and ideas and things that you may not necessarily uh, want to pay for. And the only solution... To the, uh, the, the from the from the status perspective, from the governmental perspective, the only solution to illegal immigration, so-called, is more force, and that means that you're talking about a police state. You're talking about putting military people on the border or near the border, because we know that right now the border patrol is operating within a hundred miles of the northern and southern borders in this country, setting up pulling checkpoints. Up, uh, yeah, pulling people over randomly, essentially, and uh, you sometimes know, they pull everybody yeah. over. Doing checkpoints, pulling everybody over. Right. So they check. They have these uh, permanent installations, checkpoints. They also have roving checkpoints where they'll just set up wherever. And they harass people about their citizenship. And they they use it as a pretense to walk dogs around cars and search people's cars and and uh, and and hold uh, power and violence over their heads to get them to obey and do do things for them. And, and they beat up people. I mean, we're talking about a police state here. How many searches are you willing to go through? How many uh, times are you willing to show your papers to prove that you're a so-called citizen in order so you'll be allowed to go on your way about your business or so you can go home to your family at the end of a day's uh, long day's work? That's what we're talking about. How many times are you willing to put up with police raids of your business so the INS or uh, ICE, as they're now called, can search through the files uh, in your uh, your business office to make sure that everybody's legal? How many times are you willing to to go through having people pointing guns at your uh, your coworkers right. in order you and your coworkers in order so that the INS can uh, can go in? How there? many people do you want to employ in your business just to fill out the government's paperwork so that you can comply with whatever rules they come up with yeah. in order to figure out whether all your employees are legal how many how much how much higher are you willing to see prices in the marketplace driven up by these increased amount of required employees to do this checking and all this other stuff every time you put a requirement on business you're passing that requirement on to the in consumer and you're forcing them to pay more for your grand little idea of how to keep uh, you know low-wage workers out of america so yes butch it is possible to keep uh, and anybody else that's afraid of uh, or anti-illegal immigration, uh, it is possible to keep immigrants from coming here. But I but sure like way, Butch in his but, call. <laughs> I'd like I, to I liked it at the beginning of yep. his call. Uh, but the way that you're going to be able to accomplish that through the government is a total police state. Because if you create a place that's worse to come to than where they're coming from, then yeah, you're right. They're not going to come here at that point. And then we're going to have a problem with people leaving the United States. Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to live in a police state. And I think we're already there. What people are calling for with the, these border controls is just making it much worse. Let's continue with your phone calls about what you want. We go to Amos, listening to WVTS in West Virginia. Amos, you're on Free Talk Live. Yes, sir. Um, you're asking about the uh, situation in, uh, in the 1930s. The group of veterans that came to Washington, D.C., the World War I veterans, were called the bonus 
army and they were there to get their bonus they would, i guess they'd been promised a bonus by congress yeah. i guess congress wasn't forthcoming with it and these guys actually camped on the mall mm. built structures shanty towns that kind of thing and um very similar to the Poor People's March back in 1968. So would it and, be appropriate to call their murder the Bonus Army Massacre? For, well, I, I, I never did. I, I think it is, they just, just called the Bonus Army, but it was uh, they they were given a chance to leave, and then the, then the, the um, military came in there and just drove them out. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I agree if somebody said it was National Guard units that did it. I don't my 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 impression i don't know exactly that it was regular army troops well whoever and, it was it was men following orders of politicians right. to uh to slaughter their uh, their brothers basically right and then the second thing you asked about kent state there were four uh people killed at mm-hmm. kent state and uh, if you remember the crosby stills nash and young song of four dead in ohio mm-hmm. and um also, that same year as Kent State, there was a a similar shooting at Jackson State down in Mississippi, but I don't know the details of it. I, I guess people remember Kent State because it's more recent within yeah, the past it was, few decades. It, yeah, it was the protest, the incursion of United States troops into Cambodia without congressional approval and the expansion of the Vietnam War, supposedly. Thank you for the information yeah, uh, tonight. One, yes, yeah, sir. one other thing I just wanted to say real quick is that, that you probably know this WZTS went over to FM. Oh, I, I know. And, I love that. And, uh, and it's more powerful, and that's why you're getting more calls. I know. It's awesome. I love it when uh, AM radio stations flip over to uh, to the FM band. It really makes yeah. a difference, for, especially in the listenership, and you're absolutely right. And thanks for calling in tonight, Amos. We appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can take control of the airwaves, even in, even in these remaining moments. Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything, even in these remaining moments. Enough time for your call. 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Sam. And Mark. Uh, Join us online at freetalklive.com. Hey, if you like this program and you want to help support the show, you can become an amplifier. Mark, if you don't mind, can you explain what the AMP program is? The AMP program is... uh the people that uh, voluntarily wish to support the show uh, give us between you know three and on up dollars per month in order to uh, help us to advertise, promote, and market the show in different venues. We have uh, uh, advertising in trade paper, uh, trade publications. We have it on on the internet in uh, the form of Google AdWords and uh, and several other places that aren't coming to the to me at the top of my uh, mind, but. 
I'd say mostly it's just uh, people that desire to spread the the ideas of liberty and um, you know support Free Talk Live, and they they can do that by going to amp.freetalklive.com. All right, 1-800-259-9231. As we continue here, uh, we'll get right back into the uh, the phone calls. But, Mark, I wanted to make sure you had a chance to share this little detail about the Bonus Army. We've been talking uh, this hour about a group of military veterans back in uh, – after World War One, so before any of us were alive, yeah. that went to Washington, D.C. to march, to rally, to demand what they believed they were owed. Because when they signed up or whatever they, they were told or the, for whatever reason, the military people promised them that they would get some money well, and a bonus of some sort, and they weren't given. Uh, it was not given out. They, they weren't jilted um, in the, 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 the most uh, you know, clear sense. But they wanted something that was due to them in the future. And, um, you know, they, it, remember, it was the Great Depression. Many of these guys were out of work. They'd come back from uh, the, the war, and they hadn't gotten jobs after that. Um, and, you know, maybe they felt messed up from the war, mm-hmm. and they wanted, uh, you know, well, they wanted things to be different than what the offer was made by Uncle Sam. Um, and, and here's, I thought the I thought the military changed the changed the deal, which is their prerogative. They can always change the rules on you. Yeah. Um, well, here it says that uh, the war veterans, many of whom were, had been out of work since the beginning of the Great Depression, uh, sought immediate cash payment of a service certificates granted to them eight years earlier via the Adjusted Service Certificate Law of 1924. So this law actually came um, out after. Maybe this was the law that changed the the rules or whatever. But this was at, well after the World War One. Um, each service certificate issued to a qualified veteran soldier bore a face value equal to the soldier's promised payment plus compound interest. The problem was the certificates, like bonds, matured 20 years from the date of original issuance. So they weren't actually supposed to be redeemed until 1945. Mm. These guys were out of work and in bad shape, and they just camped out on the, the, the lawn, the Washington lawn there. On July 28th, U.S. Attorney General Mitchell ordered the veterans removed from all government property, including their little camp tent city there on the lawn. You thought it was your property. You thought it was public land. Sorry. The Washington police met with resistance. Shots were fired and two veterans were killed. Notice no police were. Uh, President Hoover then ordered the army to clear out the veterans. The infantry and cavalry were supported by six tanks and uh, commanded by Army Chief of Staff General Douglas MacArthur. General, uh, later President Dwight D. Eisenhower was his liaison with the Washington police and Major General, Major, excuse me, uh, George Patton led the cavalry. Uh, the, the bonus army, their wives and children were driven out with fixed bayonets and atomsite gas, an arsenic vomiting agent, Ugh. and their uh, shelters and belongings burned. These are the only homes. These people were camped out there wanting their payment from the government, um, and these were their only homes, and they drove them out with fixed bayonets and gas and uh, then burned their possessions. As if it's not bad enough what was going on, then they had to burn their possessions too. Uh, of course, so wasn't just two people killed or 16? Is, uh, Butch, the, number, uh, the numbers keep rising here oh, as the incident goes. Two more of the veterans and an unknown number of babies and children died. I mean, this was a huge stampede. There's gas going on. These kids can't yeah. get away. I mean, if you know, if they had newborns, the newborns just died from this gas. They used Gross. these chemical agents on on their own veterans. It's disgusting. Oh, but don't it's, worry, Mark. They wouldn't do that today. It's disgusting. It's it's the U.S. military me- members would never do that today, would they? I don't know. Well, I would actually, imagine they a, would. a few years ago during uh, Hurricane Katrina, the aftermath, did you say you don't imagine they would? Oh, I imagine they would. Oh, yeah, okay. I exactly, imagine they do what they're ordered to do simply right. because they're ordered to do it. Yeah, after the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina, we saw a video where National Guardsmen, were, where they were be, being essentially paraded through the streets, confiscating people's guns, 
if uh, somebody was to have been ordered to have been killed, they actually said, yeah, I mean, he'd feel a little strange about it, but he'd follow the orders. Congress overrode a Roosevelt veto overrode a Roosevelt veto in 1936 to give the veterans their bonus 10 years early. So, um, it, you know, it was essentially fixed uh, a year later, but, um, you know, terrible, terrible results in the process. That doesn't bring back those uh, those people that died, the babies and all. So right 16, there on the Washington lawn. 16 people plus an unknown amount of uh, children, or is it? I think that the it, it the the accounts vary essentially, but I think that those are uh, you know about the numbers, about sixteen all included. As if it weren't horrific enough, I'd always thought it was just military veterans that were killed. Now uh, to learn that there were children and, and babies involved, it's it's even more it just it's even more despicable. And it's right here in the uh, good old U.S. of A., same place where they put people in internment camps for being Japanese. Freedom, baby. 800-259-9231. We continue with your phone calls. And we go to Nick, listening in Montana. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Nick. Hi, how's it going, guys? Well, um, um, I could be better. I mean, we're just talking yeah. about slaughters. Distur- disturbing news that we're talking about. Um, I wanted to talk about the video that just came out from WikiLeaks. Oh, jeez. Um, yeah, no. Uh, I think it needs to be discussed, though. So, uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. I- and, and as much as, much as I, I blame... The people who pulled the triggers, um, stuff does happen. Doesn't mean I don't think that they should be accountable. And I think if people were made accountable, you'd see a lot less of uh, collateral damage, as they put it. Well, that'll never happen. Well, and, and you know, here's the, one of the difficulties: is when you put a soldier into a situation like this, and then you make them—they're constantly worried about getting court-martialed for doing something wrong or whatever. The the real problem is having put them there in the first place. And oh, I if definitely you, agree. With you. Yeah, if you hold the soldier accountable for their actions over there, you need to hold the politician accountable for sending them in the first place. And this is the example that I used early on. If I hired you to avenge some wrong that was uh, committed against me, and in the process of you do, avenging that wrong, you you know wipe out three people or whatever, I'm morally culpable, and I believe legally culpable in, in this country, um, for those actions that you committed. And in the same way, those politicians are morally and should be legally um, culpable for those actions, too. So are you saying you, you don't hold the troops responsible? You don't think there should be any consequences for them? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that it's a, it's, it's a very tough scenario, and if the responsibility is meted out, it should be meted out up, up into the highest ranks. And if it is meted out to the highest ranks, you won't see troops put into harm's way nearly as often. That makes sense to me. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Nick, any other and thoughts? That, well, I wanted to talk about people's reaction. Like, I'm just... I actually thought that this might actually, like, people might actually be pissed about it or something, mm-hmm. but from reading around comments on message boards and whatnot, oh, people are praising these guys. I mean, yeah. they don't see anything wrong with it. They're saying, yeah, that was awesome, that was awesome, and, and generation kill for you, but... Uh, Disgusting. These are the same people that wouldn't see any problem with them uh, putting our heads on a pike for not paying taxes. I mean, they are just completely... Supporters of the government, the American state can do no wrong, and it doesn't matter how many innocent people are slaughtered, as long as the military is uh, is out there supposedly keeping us safe, there's no amount of people whose lives uh, that will be lost that uh, that is too many. It might just be folks. some people just love killing and shooting. Well, Could be. What, or like the really chicken hawks like you were talking about. The whole thing was you have it right there in black and white. I mean... And if you actually do a little digging into the background of what actually was taking place that day, the reason those guys were out there was because 
they're interviewing people in that neighborhood about the insurgencies. There, there was two guys that did have AK-47s, but they were the journalist guards. Hmm. So, and, and at the very last part of the video where they're, they're firing the missiles into that building, I don't know if you guys got that far, um, there's a guy just walking down the street that just happened to be in front of the building when it got blown up, and he got blown to smithereens, but people are saying, oh, wrong place, wrong time. Thanks for the call tonight. Uh, appreciate hearing from you, Nick, at 800-259-9231. Quickly to Tim in Wisconsin. Tim, you're on Free Talk Live. you got about the last 30 seconds. Go ahead with your thoughts. I, um, after I heard Alex Jones play that um, video on, on WikiLeaks, and, and, and um, I remember Justin's programs talking about um, about how how the war in Iraq is based on on, on, on fraud and a lie. That's the thing that really gets me about the, the most American churches. Um, you know the the way that they're so uh, they stay so oblivious and you know asleep to it all. And, and uh, I, I, I'm a Christian believer too. And and uh, like the, the the church I go to go to, I'm as much about praising and worship and worshiping a God as there. But, you know, it just gets me how they're so uh, hallelujah praise the Lord while all. Like that goes yeah, what, how many people would Jesus kill? Thank you for the call. Appreciate hearing from you. We are out of time. It's been Ian with you. And Sam, I am. And Mark. Back with you tomorrow night. Join us then and online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. The following edition of the Edgington Post interview series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as 3 bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. And here's Mark. So it's, a, it's another edition of the Edgington Post. And today I have with me Robert Murphy. And uh, Robert, are you there? Yes, I am. Now, Robert, you're uh, you're one of the friends of uh, our great benefactor, Jason Osborne, and uh, you're going to be teaching a course for the Mises Institute coming up here shortly. Yeah, that's right. It's uh, you're right. Jason and I we went to uh, undergrad together, and then we were at NYU together for a little while. Yeah, it's uh, the Mises Institute located in Auburn, Alabama. They're having me do an online class on an Austrian business cycle theory. So if your listeners are familiar with Peter Schiff or Ron Paul, you know, they've been talking for several years, you know, predicting the housing bubble and so forth. And what they were relying on is Austrian business cycle theory that Mises and Friedrich Hayek developed. So, yes, the Mises Institute thought it would be very timely if I did an online class. It actually starts this coming Monday, April 12th. And, uh, yeah, if people want more information, they can go to academy.mises.org. So does, that, does it cost money to take that class? Yeah, it's a nine-week class. It's uh, $255, and it, what, what it consists of is, yeah, every Monday I give a – they have a, the software is called Dim Dim, and it's, it's, we were testing it out. It's really phenomenal. I was blown away by it. I'm not really a tech guy, but I was really impressed. So, yeah, there's a, a live lecture on Mondays where I go for an hour, an hour and 15 minutes talking about the material for that week, and then it's open up for Q&A. Like, I can see the questions people are typing and answer them. And then there's discussion groups during the week that people can log in and, you know, see if there's different threads and so forth. And then there's quizzes. If, if people want to get a grade, they can do that, and I can, you know, grade the quizzes and short answers and do a final at the end because some people want to be able to show their boss or whatever that they, that they pass this course. So yeah, it's it's two hundred fifty five dollars and it's nine weeks starting this this Monday. 
so far we've got about 80 people that have signed up for it, a lot of financial professionals that you know, heard about Austrian business cycle theory, but they don't really have time to go down to Auburn, Alabama and sit through a class, but they can certainly, you know, take this online one. Yeah, I find it very interesting. Um, that's that's for sure. I, you know, I'm, I'm not in a career field where it necessarily would be, you know, uh, hugely valuable. What, what I, I, I love the idea. I mean, I, you know, I'm very interested in the ideas of, uh, of Austrian economics and I'm I'm way at the shallow end of that particular pool. But what uh, so what can one expect uh, sort of, uh, you know, at the end of it? What you know, what what do they get? They just have essentially a certificate that says I completed this course. And, and <laughs> no, well, the uh, I should clarify that one of the common questions is it, it, the Mises Institute does not have official you know government accreditation. So right. the, 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 the certificate is really only useful for other fans of the Mises Institute who mm-hmm. are aware of the, the quality of its programs. But yes. no, what. What we're, of course, really trying to convey is not the certificate, but the knowledge. And just in a nutshell, what Austrian business cycle theory says is that the, the ups and downs, the business cycle, the boom-bust cycle mm-hmm. that seems to plague market economies is not inherent to capitalism. It's not just some natural, oh, yep, that's the way capitalism works, that it, you, know, you have real busy periods where everyone's got a job, and then things blow up, and you have... A recession for five years, yep. unless the government comes in, I and mean, that's that's what most people think is that that's that's pure capitalism. These these wild swings, and the Austrian business cycle theory says that no, that's that's not true. What causes those swings is the government intervention, specifically the central bank, which is the Federal Reserve in the United States, comes in and thinks it's doing a good job by lowering interest rates and making credit really cheap, and that fuels the boom. And so that happened in our time. During the housing bubble years that Alan Greenspan brought interest rates really low after the dot-com bubble crashed, thinking he was providing a soft landing. That was you know, the justification he gave for what he was doing. And at the time, everyone thought he was great. They called him the maestro, people I might sure, remember. I must say that I, I was a big Alan Greenspan fan when uh, housing <laughs> prices just kept going up, up, up. Right. It, it, when suddenly I lost my butt in the uh, housing bubble, then su- <laughs> I'm, I'm not as big of a fan as I was. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and that's what the Austrian theory says. I mean, that's, you know, for our time, Americans listening, that's the specific thing, the, the recent illustration of it. But the, the Austrian business cycle theory generalizes and says that's what happens, you know, in this, that, that's, that explains the pattern. That's what we see throughout different countries and throughout history is that when central banks lower the, the interest rate, they screw things up because the interest rate is a price. So, like, if the government lowered the price of steel, that yes. would mess everything up. You know, that, that steel, steel is scarce, and that's what the price tells people is how, how to economize on it. And the same sure. thing, the interest rate is a price, and it signals people to say, you know, how much of real savings is available. And when the government cuts interest rates, it's, it's in, a, in effect, sending out false signals. And so businesses start hiring more workers because credit's really cheap. They start building bigger factories and so forth. But that's unsustainable. There's not enough capital goods to go around. There's not enough tractors and drill presses and so on to fund all of these different activities. And just because the central bank prints up green pieces of paper and hands them out to, you know, $100 bills to people, which is effectively what the Fed does when it cuts interest rates, that doesn't make us really richer or wealthier. And so, again, the Austrian theory is that the, the boom period is unsustainable, that it's false prosperity, and that it has to lead to a crash. And so... Um, and that's sort of like the, the flip side of the conventional wisdom. Like the normal economists, if you watch CNBC or something, 
they think that the boom period is good and the government and the Fed's job is to just keep that going, to right. keep the good time rolling. Well, it, when it, the Austrians say, say that, no, you're, you're fueling this false prosperity. Sure, it's it's like a juggler and, you know, the, the trick the trick just keeps on getting harder. You know, another ball gets thrown in every every year. The, the, you know, the, they're doing the juggling trick with the economy and there's a new ball thrown in and a new ball thrown in. And um, I guess we should probably use chainsaws instead of balls because uh, everybody gets screwed when the, uh, when the balls all fall, you know? And it's, yeah, it's a good analogy. Yeah, it's and, and you're and you're right. And what happens in the, in terms of the business cycle? Because like, people say, well, why doesn't the central bank just keep interest rates low indefinitely? And because what happens is eventually inflation starts showing up. Because again, how does the the central bank when it cuts interest rates? What that means is it prints up a bunch of new money and and injects it into the credit market. Right. And so eventually, as that money works its way around and gets in the hand of normal consumers, they start they're seeing the price of bread and gasoline and so forth go up. And that's when the central bank sort of, you know, gets worried and starts raising interest rates. And again, what, what that means is they stop pumping in as much new money every period. And that's why interest rates start rising. So, I th- so uh, sorry, I, I think what people are wanting to know now, uh, Robert, is, you know, what's going to what's going to happen now? I mean, obviously, we're uh, we're sitting at the uh, you know, near the bottom of uh, one of the of the biggest financial crises that's uh, occurred in most of our lifetimes. Um, it it doesn't appear to be as bad as the uh, the Great Depression. However, I wasn't in the Great Depression, and I don't know how bad it was relative to uh, you know life at that time. Nobody had a color television set. I know that much. So um, you know, I what's what's going to happen now? I, some people say, well, we're we're experiencing the dead cat bounce, and uh, things are going to look a little better here for the next year or so, and then we're it's off to to crapsville you're going to be eating your dog and standing in bread lines or whatever um you know and it's it's going to look horrible leave the united states catastrophe or uh, can we expect the uh, the federal reserve to be able to pull off another period of prosperity um where they you know attempt to to, to begin juggling some more and i mean i, I think that the average american just wants to know how good things are going to be in the next decade they don't really care if uh um, they're going to be, you know, cat- catastrophic that much farther out. Do you know what I mean? Yes, dude, I know what you mean, and I think that things are going to get pretty bad pretty soon. Okay. That I think so. So, just as in my opinion, what happened was Greenspan didn't do anybody any favors by engineering that housing boom. That mm-hmm. remember the reason he cut interest rates so much is that the dot com bubble collapse. So in the you know, 99 and 2000, you had the NASDAQ bubble, all the tech stocks and so forth had been pushed up to ridiculous heights. And then that, that bubble burst. And so that should have been a pretty severe recession, but it wasn't. And now in retrospect, it seems that what Greenspan really did was just postpone the, the pain or kick the can down the road or whatever, you know, cliche you want to use. And so I think that's what Bernanke is doing now in our time, that when the housing bubble burst, we just should have, you know, taken our medicine, and we've gone through a painful recession. But now, ironically, this actually is the soft landing, that because of all the extraordinary things the Fed has done, they sort of made it appear as if all those mistakes during the housing boom didn't happen, that all those, you know, all those investment banks right. that should have collapsed by rescuing them. The Fed didn't really negate those mistakes, those bad investments. The, the Fed just took those things upon themselves. Mm-hmm. And so... I really think they just redistributed the pain, and it's going to be that much more severe when it when it comes back. So, so well, they, just one particular example: the, the low interest rates. What Bernanke has done with interest rates is even more reckless than what Greenspan did. I mean, interest rates are basically zero right now. Yeah, yeah. 
They are. And so if the Austrian business cycle theory is correct, well, then what Bernanke has been doing for the last, I think it's been about 15 months since they've been this low, I mean, he's just sending out incredibly bad signals to the market that he's giving the wrong price for loans, in other words, and that's a very important price. And so he's totally screwing up the structure of production, the way the Austrians would talk about it. So, so that, you know, that, that goes back to the, you know, what we're trying to explain in the course is to show even other free market schools like Chicago School Economists, people who are fans of Milton Friedman and so forth, they don't have this particular piece of the puzzle, I would say, in understanding just how bad messing with interest rates screws things up. This is the Austrian, this is where the Austrian economists really shine, is in this one particular area of the business cycle. And I, um, you know, I, things are essentially the, the same between the Chicagoans and the Austrians, except in this one particular area. And to me, the way I see it, it, it seems clear that the Austrians are right here. But, you know, um, obviously, I, I am a, as I said, uh, you know, a little kid in the, uh, the shallow end of the pool with floaties on. But, um, you know, that's what it looks like to me. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's funny on this particular issue. It's you're right that a lot of times people say, you know, Austrians, why do you bother using that that term? And. And for your listeners, of course, the term just means it refers to the fact that some of the original economists in this school of thought happen to be from the country Austria. That's that's why it's called Austrian sure. economics. Then um, they say, you know, why do you use that label? Why don't you just call yourself a free market economist or something? Because aren't you guys like Milton Friedman and everyone else all basically saying the same thing? And you're right. On a lot of policy issues, we do have similar conclusions. But on this issue of what should the Federal Reserve do during a financial crisis, they're completely opposite uh, recommendations that Milton Friedman actually is the person who changed the economist's conventional wisdom about what happened during the Great Depression. And, and it was Friedman and his co-author, Anna Schwartz, who convinced a lot of economists because they had a really important book that came out in the 60s. Mm-hmm. They convinced people that what happened in, in 1929 and 1930 and 31 was that the Federal Reserve didn't pump in enough money. And that's why we had the Great Depression. Mm. So that's what Bernanke and all of his uh, allies are doing right now, is they're pumping in all this money, propping up banks and so forth, because they're saying we're being good Friedmanites here. That's what they said caused the Great Depression, so that's what we're doing now, whereas the Austrians say the exact opposite. You know, it's obviously the Austrians aren't going to be very popular in this particular time frame because it's, what they're saying is, is you should, uh, you know, we should let everything crash down around us and then rebuild. And um, but, you know, obvi- obviously what they're saying at that point is that they need to rebuild with real honest money that's, uh, you know, created and controlled by the free market. And at that point, then what you will build is a system that isn't prone to booms and busts and, um you know, it's but it's it's essentially talking to a drug addict and telling him, look, you don't need that next hit of heroin. You don't need it. And, uh, you know, they don't even know they ha- they're they taking heroin. Right. Yeah, that's uh, you, you make some good points there that when I when I'm talking to people, you know, I've been going around the country, given this sort of doom and gloom uh, analysis and, and people. You're, you're right. It, it, almost, it just seems counterintuitive. It seems like, look, at. With the bailouts under Bush and then Obama with his stimulus and so forth, I mean, didn't we avert catastrophe? If they sat back and did nothing, wouldn't AIG have failed? And wouldn't that have maybe even pulled down Goldman Sachs and all these other big investment banks? And wouldn't that have thrown a lot of people out of work? And the I, the Austrian response to that is, look, you're not, you don't make people richer by printing up green pieces of paper, right? It's not that, that 
when the Fed rescued those banks, that it was because Bernanke had been cutting lawns his whole life and saved up a bunch of money and yeah. that he used his personal funds. No, he just created money out of thin air and bought a bunch of those so-called toxic assets that nobody else wanted in the private sector. Mm-hmm. So he didn't really make us richer by doing that. He just wrote checks out of thin air. Yeah, so saved. he took money so from you, hardworking you, Americans and gave it to a bunch of rich bankers. Right. And so, I mean, beyond just the perversity of, you know, of, of the way you just said it there, but I mean, just in terms of the economic incentives going forward, I mean, now bankers know that the, the important thing is not to make sound investments, but to make sure you're on good terms with the, with the Fed chairman. Yep. You know, be when, big when enough, blow up. be big enough that uh, you're too big to fail. Right, exactly. Right. Don't compete with the other big banks. Get bigger. Um, you know, combine and merge, and get get to be so big that uh, the Federal Reserve will think you're too big to fail, so that you can do anything you want and uh, and um, you know get your get your end of the year bonuses, which are gigantic, and uh, rape the the economy in the process. What's funny though is even there, it's you still see the corruption because that's what I think threw everyone for a loop and why it was such a big deal when they didn't intervene to save Lehman Brothers because they had come in earlier. I'm getting my dates mixed. I think it was February of 2008 to sort of engineer a rescue of Bear Stearns. And so then I went in the market and thought, okay, you know, the people running the Treasury and the Fed, they're not going to just allow some huge firm to go under. And then that's what they did with Lehman, and that's what caused the panic in September of 2008. And then they came in the next day and rescued AIG. And so People looking into it were trying to figure out the rhyme or reason, like how come they rescue some and they don't rescue other ones. And there just seemed to be this suspicious pattern that any move that saved Goldman Sachs, they did. And any move that would have res- you know, allowed one of Goldman's competitors to fall off, they also did. And so it's, it's, in other words, I'm saying it's not even just that they're guided by faulty theories of how to help. It really looks like they don't even believe the official story they're telling, that the, what they're really doing is bailing out particular big banks and letting other ones fail. Yeah, ones they like. <laughs> <laughs> right, the ones who, because I'm sure all your listeners know, but the, the guy who was running the Treasury Department at the time, Hank Paulson, was the former CEO of Goldman Sachs. So it's, <laughs> it's, it, people are wondering, gee, is he really the most unbiased guy to be making these decisions? Yeah, I've you know, clearly clearly politics is a game of uh you know rewarding your friends and punishing your enemies and uh you know they made it they made it abundantly clear with who they decided to bail out and who they didn't and you know it's it it it's difficult to know why they picked some of them that they did and then as I understand it, they forced some banks to take bailouts that didn't even need them and it just really crazy stuff. Well, right, yeah, the uh, the original TARP uh, meetings. When they again, it was Hank Paulson. Cause a lot of people now are trying to say that this is all this Democrat stuff. But you know, let's remember what happened. It was under the, the outgoing Republican administration when TARP was pushed through that he brought in, as you say, all these big bankers around the table, and he handed out, a, I believe it was like a single sheet of paper telling them this is how much the Treasury is going to quote unquote invest in your company by giving you, you know, an infusion of cash in exchange for warrants and and so forth, and uh, and a lot of them didn't want the money, but he basically said, you know, this is an offer you can't refuse. You're not leaving this room until you sign off on that. And if you don't, you know, that's, that's pointless because we'll just have the regulator of your bank force you to do it. So you might as well just sign it. Yeah. And the, the official reason he gave, of course, was that he said, oh, well, if we allowed some banks to take it and other ones not, then the markets would know who was really in trouble. And then they would be, you know, speculators would just kill their stock. And so we have to have everyone take the bailout money 
so there's no stigma. But as you say, I mean, it, you really start getting suspicious about what actually went on there, and it's a little bit odd when all these banks were forced, or some of them were forced to take this money, which then was the pretext for the government regulating the pay of their uh, top executives and so forth. Yeah, it's it it's hard for the average person to to muddle through it, and uh, you know that's I guess that's why we have the the economists, and then you know you've got these different schools of uh, you know economic theory, and you know which ones do you believe, and who's going to be right, and um, you know it's it's so difficult to uh, for the average person to to, to muddle through. Now, um, I I must say that uh, your course does sound interesting to me, though. Are you gonna you're going to be covering things like this in it, right? Sure. So, again, it's a nine-week course, and uh, I just remind people it's at academy.mises.org if they want to see more information. And, and you're, yeah, what we do in the, in the very beginning, the first week, we just give a broad overview of this is the general Austrian story, this is the kind of stuff we're going to cover, and we also give a little introduction to the Austrian school just so people know the context. And then we go through in the first few weeks and talk about, you know, what is money? What's the, the theory of money? You know, because you need to understand how money, what money is and how it works. And we talk about banking and things like that. So just to give the building blocks, and then in about the fourth or fifth week, we get into the, the basic story, the Austrian story of where the boom-bust cycle comes from. And then in later weeks, we do historical applications. So, yeah, we do, of course, the, 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 the housing boom and bust and then the, the bailouts and so forth. We talk about that, but we also look at the Great Depression the inflation of the 70s and things like that to, to uh, just look at more than, or, or rather look at several business cycles throughout history and see this is how you would apply the theory we just learned to this particular historical episode. So this is basically a nine-week um, you know, Austrian economics basics kind of course. So the person who is interested in the idea of Austrian economics but uh, you know, perhaps hasn't, hasn't read all, the, uh, all of Murray Rothbard or uh, Hayek or, 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 or whatever can take this course and kind of get the overview and, and generally know what they're talking about in that arena? You, you could do that, but the, the, everything, though, in this particular course is chosen with the end goal of knowing the business cycle theory inside and out. And so, yeah, in the beginning, we do a, a little bit of the basics because you need to know a few basic tools just to know the business cycle theory. Mm-hmm. But, but, no, we're not, we're not aiming for a complete introduction to the school. This is just, again, our target audience was – sort of the, the lay person who's in a financial type job mm-hmm. that really needs to know the direction of the economy who is, you know, is interested in Austrian economics, but doesn't have time to go take a formal class at a school. And that, or like you say, to go read the entire, you know, treatise by Murray Rothbard that, yeah, what this is, it, it, it packages and here's what you need to know to understand the Austrian business cycle theory. So is there going to be, is there going to be homework for this course or is it uh, kind of a, a lecture series or, or what? Yeah, it's, well, I, I, it, there are going to be lectures, and, and yeah, there, people, not everyone wants to take a grade because some of them are just, they don't have the time, but there is there are quizzes and short essays, and then there's going to be a final exam for those people who want to be graded, but okay. that's that's optional. Some people don't want to be graded. Now, um, and, and you say that the, uh, the, the lectures are going to be on Monday night on, I guess, a, a webinar or something like that on the, on the Internet? Right. So the people who are, they, they're going to start at 7 p.m. Eastern time. So, yeah, the people who are free at that time slot can log in and see me live and then type me questions in real time. And I can, you know, look off to my screen and, and see the questions that are coming in in case people are confused by what I'm saying. Now, but then those will be 
taped or recorded too, so that people who can't make that time slot can look at it later. Yeah, I was going to ask, what if you have a nationally syndicated radio show that you do every Monday night at 7 p.m. <laughs> and you can't uh, be there live for the webinar um, as, as much as you'd love to? Uh, is there some kind of option for somebody like that? Yeah, yeah. So it will be recorded because there's plenty of um, foreign people too who are who are doing it. And they're in you know totally different time zones and. You know, it wouldn't work for them to watch it, so they'll they'll see it the next day when if, they can. If they loved if they loved Jesus, then they'd be using Eastern Standard Time. <laughs> Is that a reference to something someone said recently? Well, if it was if it was good enough, if if Eastern Standard Time was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for those foreigners. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, that's that is true. <laughs> so. Um, I'm just, uh, you know, it's, it's just uh, sort of a uh, expose on how uh, uh, rigid people can be about uh, how uh, other people do things differently. Um, all right, cool. Uh, thanks, uh, Robert. Um, that's Robert Murphy, and I don't have any titles or anything for you. You're, you're doing a seminar for, for the Mises uh, Institute, and uh, people, if they're interested in this, uh, should go check it out. Well, thanks so much for having me. And again, it's uh, academy.mises.org, and there's still time. It, it starts uh, Monday, April 12th. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com.